All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. What up, y'all? It's Laia, and this week's QLS Classic, woo-wee, it's a good one. I'm talking about David Allen Greer. Yo, this episode, he goes all the way back to his days at Yale Drama when he was Angela Bassett's old head and all the greatness that came out of that school to talking about his days on Broadway. Yeah, you forgot about that. And of course, we dish into some in living color. You don't want to miss this. You think you know David Allen Greer? You don't. So listen and find out. This episode was originally released November 14th, 2018. Enjoy. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. Suprema, su, su, Suprema roll call. Suprema, su, su, Now look at here. Roll call. Home skillet quest the third. Yeah. Interviewing stars in my jam. Yeah. I had a verse. I'm fresh yeah. out. <laughs> Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. My name is Fonte. Yeah. I stay so fly. Yeah. So I'm in this verse. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. My name is Sugar. Yeah. Now listen here. Yeah. My favorite comedian. Yeah. Is Amir. Roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Boss Bill's favorite. Yeah. Record to listen. Yeah. That classic platter from Don Noso Simmons. Roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Yeah. And oh my God. Yeah. 30 years later. Yeah. We would have all picked your run. Roll call. Suprema. Good reference. I'm so proud of you. Suprema. 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 Suprema.
me. Yeah. I'm up in this motherfucker. Yeah. We gonna talk till three. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. Um, so I, I might not make it. Let's just cut to, to the like chase. There. Ladies and gentlemen, we have David <laughs> Allen Greer on yes. What's Up. What's up? What's up? What's up? That was probably your best roll yeah. call in yeah. the last no, your reference. Thank you. Yeah, that means a lot to me. I worked on my head like three alternates. You've done a lot, Mr. Mr. Greer. <laughs> I'm off a dome. You know, yeah. I didn't write nothing down. Okay, you didn't have to do that to me. I, he was getting well, my props. <laughs> you're reading like, from an iPhone. Oh, I don't. That's not hip hop. That like is five, not that really. Seconds ago, like that's nerd seconds. pop. You can't, can't be like, hey, can you turn the lights up, please? You want to go in this corner? Can you roll it back? Can you roll it back, please? Oh, and I will not that's return. Beautiful. <laughs> Damn. I, I, it's an old to you, you know? I'm oh, sorry. You tried to hug me, but I'm not. I'm not. You know, there's First too many all, hugs. Hugs have been diminished. Hugs is supposed to be for why they diminished. Well, because everybody wants a damn hug. It used to be for your grandma, you know, your sick mama when you're leaving home. Now it's just every woman, every everybody wants a damn hug. And it's too intimate. I don't want to hug strangers. Yeah. You know, I, it's got to mean something. How long it take for me to get one? <sighs> months. Damn. <years>. <laughs> Taking months to gain his trust. Yeah. Jesus. Am I the only trust. one? It used to be a handshake. You handshake, look person in the eye. How are you, Quest? It's nice to meet you. No, I'm, I'm like, see, that's nut, even nut, worse. Nut, yeah, that's even nut. worse. He's trying to not catch nothing. In a Trump America, though, we need some love. I yeah. think that's what it man, is. Man, please. Mm, I ain't trying to lose my job, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> Kanye, you know, Kanye yeah. apologized today. Yep, yeah. yep. Saw that. I'm sorry. Only three months later. Sorry, I just we tweeted, apology accepted. Let's move on. So I'm tired <laughs> of talking about this. Yeah. I'm tired of talking about Kanye. Right? We're going to pray for him. Mm-hmm. Anywho, Reverend Leon, Lonnie, go ahead, let, 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 let it out. Let's like, get what was you? No, just I was just saying I was saving my prayers. No, for something, okay. something no, more important. Just like it, it's <laughs> no, that too, a, that too, ongoing uh, theme. No, I'm not gonna say it. No, no, no. It's oh. good times. Good times. Him good times. and Tiger, Tiger Woods, and oh, Don Tiger King, and <laughs> shut up, shut Who up. Like, like, name some other he, questionable he, black folks. It's, like, it's always like I know like, we all got a family member that's like <laughs> like all the ones that ain't got sisters beside them. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. My mother, go. may she rest in peace. I Praise. said, rep- she was like, what? Were you gonna say Republican? <laughs> I mean, if you want to say, we gonna vote it. Why would you even say the word? I was like, Mom, Mom, come relax. I'm not even, I just said Republican. She's like, but what? <laughs> no, she, mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh-uh. Where your mama from? Where, well, my mother was born in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. You from Michigan? She, she was light-skinned, you know. She said she was freedmen. I'm just telling you the family. She said, we weren't slaves, we were freedmen. I'm like, okay. The whole time. Mm-hmm. My father's side, <laughs> field workers. Okay, <laughs> field workers. So make no doubt about it. Yeah, that can happen. You mm-hmm. know what? They did the history of L.O. Cool J's family. Mm-hmm. None of his family members <laughs> had to go through slavery. Wow. When they came oh, to wow. the United States, were they real immigrants? They got no. They 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 were African American for some strange reason. They they came immediately to Ohio. And something, luckily, I don't know what the story was, but it's on Finding Your Roots with Skip Gates on PBS. Which you did. Yeah. yeah. But oh, his, you, you did it? Yeah, I did it. 
Was there? Were there my surprises? grandfather was the last. My great 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 grandfather was the last slave. Did you read uh, this book that was recently published? Um, come on. You looked at me. I'm. A, thank you. What's it called? I just got to reading it. I, I'm foggy right now. Um, their eyes are watching God. <laughs> sorry, I had to do that. I'm sorry. Their eyes are watching God. You know. Zora Neale Hurston. There's a new book okay. that they put out. For yes. Her. yes. Well, well, I'm 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 mentioning this because this guy in the book, his testimonial, he was on one of the last slaves. The Clotilda. Yes. The yeah. yeah, my grandfather was on the Clotilda. You know, that's some evil shit right there. <laughs> the Clitorilda. <laughs> that's <laughs> the first bring thing some human about. bondage <laughs> right. over in this blasphemous name. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a bet. It was a, a flip. Slavery was over. They flipped the coin, and the bet was whether or not uh, he could get a hookup uh, in in over Nigeria to bring some back on the sneak tip. Because it was it was like that's a, what this book was basically. It's the same deal. It was technically over, but they snuck this yeah. ship in and uh, uh, contraband cargo and all that. You know exactly. Like slaves were like having cocaine on you. Like you know the British were like, wow, what you got in the trunk? Oh, you got some slaves. Well, yeah, because they were the biggest uh, culprits. But then, but all the all the um, what I'm trying to say, all the European moneyed families, you know, these people mm-hmm. who quote unquote built this nation. Nobody has slave trader on there because that was a, removed a long time ago. Right. Because that's not kosher. Nobody wants to be known as that. They're like, well, we sold tobacco. Right. <laughs> yeah. You can't trace those. They families. were property. That's ill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they got here, and if then they, if they owned a farm in the 1800s, we know yeah, what was yeah, exactly. Oh, we know exactly. Who was working. Yeah. Tractor? I don't think no, so. No, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Mm-mm. So, can we move on? I'm not allowed to laugh at the slavery. <laughs> <jokes. laughs> Can't nobody see you. <laughs> but dig, man, I did 23 and Me, and there were no surprises. It was just okay. Yeah, how did Nigerian. yours break down? Black. <laughs> Black Irish, <laughs> Scottish, okay. Oh, wow. Western do you, do you Africa. Do trust it though? Uh, well, it's. You, I you know gotta, my. I don't. I don't know. Everybody here in this room has greater or lesser knowledge of their family. I would assume, you know, uh, their lineage. And I have some knowledge. I mean, in uh, there just was no crazy story. You know, it wasn't like uh, you know you're one third tie. No, it was none of that. <laughs> it was a straight slave ship. Plantation, Detroit, here we are. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I did that initially, and they tried to tell me that was from Sierra Leone. And when Skip Gates got to me, he was like, no, I'm going to do a thorough DNA search. And, you know, See, he had the receipts I, and all that stuff. That's so, what I need, man. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a I got the $30, you know. I was about to say, you're not scared? Because I was all for this until, like, recently. They really yeah. want us to do this real bad, and they're they doing crazy things with your DNA. They? You know, at that moment. The what are, they, what are the, they doing with the, the DNA? The, the, with the DNA? Listen, they fa- they're finding criminals with the DNA, you know? They're but just they've doing, been doing And it's just that. the beginning. Did just, you do yeah, anything criminal? And my, they're, they're finding it in your family, like in your lineage. They're like, so you're related to so and so. Oh, that's how we can get so and so in the system. Like, yeah, it's kind of you know, it happened. Oh, it is kind of creepy. I never even thought about that. Oh, no, that's yeah. that's happened. So yeah. that means a, a relative of yours did something, and they can ter- they can trace it. Also, 
our DNA information is not secured. 23, mm-hmm. once you do that, once you enter that database, it's not like you can, I don't know where that is. I spit in a test tube. I send it off in the mail. All right. Is it, is, did they sell it? What did they do it when they finished? Exactly. Did they do something with it? Modify it? Yeah, whatever. Uh, it's damn, like posting a picture on uh, Instagram. Shit, you don't own that motherfucker no more. I <laughs> know oh, no, you don't. But you good. You did yours with Skip, see? So That's right. You safe. Skip is good for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my homie did a sketch about that on a, on his uh, show, Random Acts of Flyness on HBO. It's it's super trippy. What's it on? It's HBO. on HBO. So here's a sketch where it's a, a, a reparations. Yeah, Terrence Nance. He did a, it's a reparation sketch where there's an app where you give your DNA and they're able to trace who are the family, who's the white family that like owned you. <laughs> wow. And I like, know where this is going. This is where like this is where you get your reparations. This from. is where you get your reparations from. And like and they's like <laughs> and our app also takes into account things such as redlining and like all like it's it's funny as hell, but it's oh, wow. oh sketch. Oh, in my mind, I was like, word. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you thought this was real. True. <laughs> okay. That was true news. But you know what? We did something when I did Chocolate News, but it was based on a thing where Skip Gates, you never, all all of your relatives are always wonderful with Skip. He, I never seen him say, hey, dog, your, your people ain't wasn't shit. <laughs> you know, it's always <laughs> no, when he started doing white people. Yeah. Like, Harry oh, Connick Jr. Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 Harry Very Connick, Oh, Dr. Phil got it. Uh, ben Affleck. Ben, ben Affleck. Yeah. Oh, I thought of Ben Affleck. He tried to create. He said, let's not. Uh, uh, let's let's yeah, yeah, yeah. try to get the show canceled. Yeah, he's like, no, take my shit off. No, I, Skip I, gave I him that bottle of hooch and said, go sit over there, brother. Get your life together. Yeah, so, so, Michigan. Sir, Detroit, Michigan. What part? All right, east side or west side? Uh, west side, barely. I grew up in one house. My parents bought this house two days before I was born. I'm the youngest of three, 1956, 62 years old. And uh, that's the one house we I grew up in. And I left at 18, and my mom sold the house, you know, when she got remarried and college. But that's it, just one house. Cause I but keep, it was, I'm sorry, to answer your question, it was four blocks west of Woodward, which is the dividing line between east and west. So it's barely west. Yeah, because I often hear stories of people that, are from the west side of Detroit that will lie and say they're from the east side of Detroit for credibility. Like it seemed that the west side is the bougie side and the east side supposed to be the real side. And have you been to Detroit? <laughs> yeah, it's I, all no, real. It's all, it's it's all. all real. Like uh, just I, man, please. Detroit is so black. I hear it's on the come up now, though. It, it is. It's a different vibe. I mean, once they settle, I met this twenty-five-year-old white girl. And I was performing in a club, and she was there like as a uh, as an intern because she wanted to go back to Detroit and open a club in downtown Detroit. And you know, it, that's what you need. You need the folly of youth. I was like, "What?" She was like, "Yeah, it's going to be great, and I'm going to do it, and we're all going to succeed." And I was like, "Damn, what's happening? What? How are you going? I'm just going to do it. You know, it can happen." So I was like, "Go. That's what you need." Yeah, not me, bro. Startup capital. See, you yeah. never want to go back to Detroit. I do. I go back all the time. I mean, I've gone back to my high school. I did a master class with the kids there at Cass Tech. I go back oh, to wow, my Cass, university. Yeah. I went to University of Michigan. Um, so I try to go back. Uh, I went for, it's weird. I was like uh, inducted into the Detroit uh, Hall of Fame. It was me, Ben Carson, that year. Oh, he didn't no. Wow. He didn't show up. I was there with oh, popcorn. Good. I was like, did he get in yet? <laughs> <laughs> so he called in sick. So he didn't show up. But He's a doctor. He should know better. He's a brain surgeon. Yes. Uh, 
knucklehead too. Man. It's like, damn. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I try to do that. I mean, I try to do it when it's, like I said, applicable and I have time. It's mostly with uh, kids. Like when I went back, uh, you know, to work with actors, young actors and stuff. Because I know when I was a student, anybody who had any connection to professional, professional art community we thirsted for that because you know are you really you know when you're a kid you have like teachers Mm -hmm. you know they're not really they're they're pedagogues you know so anybody who could bring that that fresh knowledge and and we just ate it up so yeah did you always have aspirations to be an actor first or a comedian first i didn't want i wanted to be a musician what yeah i'm from detroit yeah yeah i'm a very marginal guitar player but um I just remember the first time me and my best friend, we discovered alternative radio and our alternative radio station was WABX. So you figure I was um, 11 or 12. And the first time we heard Jimi Hendrix is like our minds exploded, man. It was like, oh my God, who is this? So we just ate all of that up, you know, all that hippie music and our, you know, our parents, it was wild. Well, okay. yeah, it makes sense because now it just hit me that you you were actually playing guitar as Calhoun Tubbs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Calhoun Tubbs was based on a guy. I went to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and there was this guy was a campus mascot, this old black guy named Shaky Jake. He couldn't play. <laughs> oh, God. And Shaky he couldn't Jake sing. Yep, Shaky Jake. And he was just, that's basically how he sounded. So that was kind of the impetus. And you know what that... It, well, I was 18 then, but you'd always see a blues dude. There was another dude named One String Sam, and he, I'm not making this, this up, This sounds like he's I'm not making it up, but he, this guy, he, he, he recorded too, like in the 50s, but he, had a, he took two liquor bottles, a two-by-four, and a string. And it was one string, and he had a hit. It was like, all I need is a hundred dollars. Oh, what I need, a hundred dollars. So I saw him, and I mean, you know, once I got into the blues, I was like, do you know Robert Johnson, sir? You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. You know that kind of stuff, and uh, so I was, I was into it. Yeah. Did My you teach yourself how to play guitar? Or I did. I mean, it was mostly self-taught. Back in the day, it was you had to just wear the grooves out the record. You could take we could take a, a thirty-three and a third. We'd put it down to sixteen R, RPM, mm, so it'd wow. be slower. Our old record, wow. yeah, but then it wasn't in the right tune, right. and so it was all about. Or when we got little portable uh, cassette recorders, and we just tape it and go over and over and over and over. No YouTube uh, cheat sheet. Uh, the whole open tuning thing was just, you had to look on the back of an album and try and match it to the recording. So that's how we did it. What were you in school for at the time? Uh, you mean as in a- college. In college? Said, yeah. Well, I went to college. Yeah. By the, you know, when I went to college, you know, my mother told me, she said, look, I will not pay for an education mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. acting. You know, and I wasn't really into acting then. No music, you know. And by then, I really still wanted to do music. She would not let me play in a band because that meant you had to go out at night. And she was trying to keep me off the streets, you know. But I had a good friend whose father owned a recording studio on Grand River, and I would hang out there all day and night. You know, they were not Motown, by the way. They were not (laughs) Motown. He had a he had a record label. It was called. 
Detroit Sound. Detroit Sound, something like that. They put out some singles, but mostly we just hang out in the studio and just. So, who did your mother? What did she? What were her designs for you? I went. I was in Jack and Jill. Okay, thank you. They had Jack and Jill back then. real Jack and Jill. And I put it like this. I went back. Yeah, I didn't think. I didn't remember Jack and Jill being that niggerish, but it was like, hey, what's up, man? We should explain what Jack and Jill is to people outside the community. to people outside the community, please. Who would like to do that? You go. I nominate you. Jack and Jill is basically a nationwide organization for people who want who want their children to be in like-minded, bougie-ass situations. I say bougie niggas Doctors, lawyers, yeah. dentists. Yes. Middle-class, upper-class yes. black people who want their kids to be around like-minded kids mm -hmm. and families. So these chapters are in every different city. But like the early like version the was like a lot of colorism, right? Because yeah. I, had, I had aunts yeah. that were, or like people of that age in the 70s that were, they kind of used the, uh, the paperback test. Like if, oh, yeah. you, if you were lighter than a paper bag, then you got treated a yeah, certain way. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Paper bags. Well, like I said, my, yeah. my father was, you know, deep, dark, semi-sweet, chocolatey brown. <laughs> Moms was kind of, you know, beige and they got together. <laughs> but we were in, uh, that's how I was raised. And, and so the Huxtables, that's pretty much how I was. You know, okay. my doctor was a lawyer. I mean, a doctor. He was a, uh, my dad was a doctor. He was a psychiatrist. And uh, as a young kid, in our neighborhood, we lived in this neighborhood that was kind of like um, Hancock Park, big old houses in this certain part, Boston Edison area. And most of the kids I played with were, you know, doctors mm -hmm. and uh, dentists and that kind of professional folks. Can, can I yeah. ask, did your father, did you know if he had black clientele? Only because for me, a lot of, here's the thing, for where I come from, like black people in therapy, it's like oil and water. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, oh, I'd rather go to my preacher, or my pastor, yeah. and, you know, like that's <laughs> yeah. for crazy white people. Pray my depression away. Yeah, take it to God. <laughs> right. My right. dad, he, yeah, yeah, he, had, he told me a great story. He said this one guy came in. This dude came from the uh, auto plant, you know, and friends brought him in. He was all fucked up. He said, Doc, you got to help me. Uh, this woman put a mojo on me. And at first, my father did not know how to deal with it because he said, I can't help you. I was like, yeah, you do. Stu believed him. He said, uh, you, I need you to, to, she put a hand on me, and I need you to release this hand. So he said he had to go and get in this dude's mindset. At first, he said, I can't, you know, I'm a psychiatrist. So finally, he said, okay, you got to talk on that level. So he said, well, okay, we're going to work with this, get this evil off you. And uh, he worked with him and came up with some bullshit to do. Turn around three times and say onomatopoeia backwards, and uh, we're going to get this mojo <laughs> off of you. Exactly. He had to make some stuff up. You understand? So, no, he had black clients. He had black clients. He had oh, a real God. cute white secretary, though, at one point. Which my mom was. I'm about to say, uh, how did mama yeah, tell yeah. My parents have passed away, so I can tell you all the shit now. Yeah. <laughs> but they right here listening, so be careful. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny you ask that. I, I don't, you know, I couldn't tell you of every 
patient was black or white. I'm sure the vast majority were black. You have to understand Detroit at that time, you know, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s had a, a lot of moneyed black people. It had a professional upper middle class, large black community. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, just working at the, a car plant, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day. You can make a good living doing exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, make a good, very good living, yeah. you know. And so so, so there was a, 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 a large community. Detroit, Chicago, where else? Philly, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, New York. So, so yeah, he was good. All right, y'all, you know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Did you, uh, did you have any uh, interaction with any other notable figures from Detroit in your growing up? Like, uh, oh, Ray Parker um, Jr. went to my church. Well, right? you know, my dad, when my parents broke up, my dad moved to San Francisco in 1967. Uh-huh. And it started in 66, 67. So he came out there into the summer of love. Oh, wow. And we went to visit him. And oh, he no. was working on a book. So I met Alex Haley. uh wow. Claude Brown Jr. He would introduce me to all these people, man. And I'd just be like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> Dad, can I get a mini bike? You know, he was like, no. You know, we marched. I marched with Martin Luther King Jr. in Detroit in 63. Wow. Yeah, our family Damn. did. And so. What was it, the march about? Was it the union? It was, a, it was you know, C.L. Franklin, say, who was yeah, Aretha was Franklin's dad, dad yeah. was a prominent minister in Detroit. So he was, he was uh, instrumental in bringing. Dr. King to Detroit, and that was the summer of uh, the March on Washington, you understand? And so in Detroit, he actually did the I Have a Dream speech. Uh, it was an earlier version. Practiced it. Exactly. It's typical Detroit. We got the we got the last run through. Yeah, so, uh, and, you know, just a sidebar, you know, Aretha Franklin she reached out to me several times, you know, just as... In what way? 
Well, I, I remember Damon and I, Damon Wayans and I, we performed at the Fox Theater, you know, in downtown mm-hmm. Detroit. And I came in my dressing room. I mean, this big, a big, big, huge bouquet of flowers. And mm-hmm. it was from Aretha Franklin. She said, David, you've always been one of my favorites. I have something special for you. Call me. And I was so tripped out by the note, I never called her because I was like, oh. oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, that was game. I mean, Aretha, yeah, Aretha was trying to holler. I mean, you know, no, that, she was good. No, she was good. But I mean, I think that she, because I'm from Detroit, she always, whenever I came in town, or like, because we finally hooked up. She came to see Porgy and Bess with her husband. They came, and we hung out afterwards. There was this thing at. Um, I forget it, this armory. It was like to honor and living color and Radio City Music Hall all in that time. Mm-hmm. And we talked and she was real cool. I mean, just real friendly and real nice. And she reached out, meaning here's my number. Let's keep in touch. You know, let's let's kick it. I mean, it was nice. She was cool. That's so dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she was nice to you. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Too, too soon. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, too soon. Anybody have any Lauren Hill stories? <laughs> it's funny. Actually, you say that. actually <laughs> our cult leader. Uh, <laughs> wait, I'm, I'm, I'm asking because that... you know she 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 clapped back. Oh, she clapped back. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the thing, the way she board. clapped back, like to me, that a clap back is too much plea copping. Right, it's too much. Yeah. Like, it was a whole bunch of word salad. A lot of words. It wasn't even about what she said. It was about the comments. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> you know something? Though? You can make it on Twitter on time, but not to your concert. <laughs> I'm through. Word. That's all I'm saying. Word. I waited two hours. Okay. Yo. Yeah. You clap right back on Twitter. I okay. don't look at the comments. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I looked that, at the comments. Yeah, the comments. The, com- the comments or, for one time they were actually worth reading. Oh, really? It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. It was you hilarious. know what though? I, I can't say. I I can't believe I'm about to say this. I, okay, so I read the whole whole thing. <laughs> yeah, wait, I read it, but part of me was legit proud that she knew what emojis were. Right. Man, yo, <laughs> well, yeah, see that you, right there tells you the message failed when you right, like, look at the emojis. Yeah, she <laughs> got, <laughs> yeah, well, you gotta use emojis to make your point. Wait, like, I mean, she, yeah. got, she got kids. She knows. I'm a, well, that, that's. I'm, I spent at least ten minutes trying to analyze. Like, imagine <laughs> Lauren Hill knowing what that that skeptical, the cynic the emotion, emotion yeah. holding your chin, yeah. with the eyebrow. I, oh, you I was legit proud, yeah. but it was. But it was like co- she probably got co-writers on that. I, Ooh, <laughs> yo, you damn. Funny. Yeah, I didn't even give you the shade. No, no sister. I don't want the sister to come get me. But I'm saying, I was like, who wrote this? Because I can't imagine her. I think, I think she actually wrote. It. I mean, because Zion the opening, yeah. the opening paragraph was like. It's mighty presumptuous for you to think that I would presume. Be presumiosity of your assumptions. Therefore, and forthwith. Real Oswald Bates. (laughs) (laughs) Answer this. Is Medium a blog or is it a... It's a site where anybody can post anything. Oh, because I was like, why aren't the medium people spell checking and all that no, stuff? Nah, no, it's no, just no. you can type that shit on your phone and they it's, want it's they want you real. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Emojis and all. By the way, big fan of Lauren Hill. So much yeah, love. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> Preface: we still, I'm on punishment. Actually, so. first of all, you know some I, some whoop ass is coming. Anybody? Questlove, real quick. Uh, big fan, by the way. Big fan. Duck, <laughs> duck, <laughs> duck. You should run then. Don't wait. Yeah, Anything just... that starts with big fan, brother. Can I ask you something, please? <laughs> no, no, I. No. Yeah, I, I was proud that she, not since, okay, when, when I graduated high school, LL's Walking with a Panther came out. Wow. 
And my big surprise was okay, because again, LL's from like the '85 era. Okay. So I was trying to imagine LL over modern breakbeats. Yeah. And to hear him over modern hip hop of '89 was like a shocker. Like, oh, okay, LL's new. Yeah. And yeah. that's how I felt about Lauren. Like, she knew what a hashtag was and an emoji. <laughs> like, I was legit proud. <laughs> Because like, I, I mean, them shits like, have been around for like 15 years I'm now. Just saying. So. But, no, but yeah, like, imagine, still, like, I imagine still Michael Jackson something. taking a selfie Ooh. and being yeah. on. Right. You, you remember when Prince took that selfie and posted it? Oh, Prince's it? selfie was Ooh. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. But I think he did it on purpose. So I think the greatest selfie was. Uh, Reverend Al's selfie. Oh, oh in, no. the in the bathroom. Listen, with, with the, the little midget legs. With the comb in his hair. With the comb. Man's had to show you the whole fit. Yeah. <laughs> like, now y'all got to see all this. He's a wee man. <laughs> we, I just saw wee him. Man. I was in Brooklyn last oh, week. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was at the, Spike Lee has a uh, Michael Jackson party. He mm-hmm. does every year. Yeah. yeah. Al was out there dancing. Yeah, I saw a video. He was oh, on the cat walk. He was dancing. Dance. Yeah, he was dancing. Al was really rocking. I kicked it with Al, man. Yeah, he had kicked cool. He was chasing me down for years. Like, Reverend would like to talk to you. And I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Did he? But finally, we, finally we, 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 we touched base, and he was good, man. Was so, it Reverend Lonnie, you... Lonnie Love? Is that why he wanted to talk to you? No, it was oh, back okay. you know, in the 90s when Living Color was on, and I was just trying oh. to okay. I'm trying to remain sterile at that point. You know what I mean? I was trying not to. But anyway. Are you one of those people that, you're leery on meeting your idols or or it might uh, scare you. Have you I ever had a situation in which you met someone and they disappointed you because they weren't like... I'll tell you one. But, I mean, I didn't hate on him. I'm just telling you how it happened. Like, I was doing this award show and Cab Calloway Ooh, was wow. there. And Cab Calloway, uh, as a kid, you know, he wrote his memoir. I, uh, I forget what it was called, but it was... Beautiful man. I'll tell you a quick story from his memoir. Okay. Like when Cap Calloway had his band, Dizzy Gillespie played in it. And Dizzy Gillespie and them, when they were on the bandstand, they used to shoot spitballs at each other. <laughs> and Cab mm. Calloway hated that shit, you know, because she would get wild when they're gigging and one or two spitballs would hit, hit, hit him. Mm-hmm. So he and Dizzy had it out. Now the story is, you know, he always wore a white tuxedo. And so he got in a fight with Dizzy Gillespie and they said he went past the room. And he came by the white tuxedo, there was blood on it. And he said, I guess y'all heard I had to fire the nigga. The <laughs> <laughs> story was Cam tried to swing on him, and Dizzy pulled out a knife and Ooh. stuck him. <laughs> now I got to cut you. <laughs> it was real black. I guess and you and heard. forgive me if I get the story slightly wrong, because it was many years ago. But, oh, but anyway, I see Cap Calloway, and I just totally fanned out. I was like, oh my God. You know, he was talking to another dude I knew who was like, you know, stage managing the whole thing. I was like, oh, my God, Mr. Calloway, you are my hero. You're my idol. I've been watching you since my whole life. I've read every anything. I have posters of him. And he just went. That's beautiful. Anyway. <laughs> but I just stood there. I was like, oh, man. I just Herb got Calloway. blown off. Right. I just got blown off by Cab Calloway. But it's all good. He didn't know who I was. You know, it was all good. So that's not, you know, it wasn't, yeah, I would like to have talked to him longer, but he didn't, I didn't go home like, I hate you, man. You disappointed me. <laughs> I never seen how the hell again. Cuba, yeah. Cuba Gooding Sr. did that to me once. <laughs> like he was sitting. I, okay. Yeah, he was sitting. We were at uh, uh, the, the movie that Junior was in with Denzel Washington, the drug, Frank White. Uh, oh, American, oh, American, 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were 
at like an after party and Cuba Senior was sitting alone, like isolated. And I was just like, yo, like, dude, you're my hero. Main ingredient. I love all your music, yada, yada, yada. And instantly, like he shook my hand, but then he saw Ice-T and Coco walked in <laughs> and he just pushed me out the way. Sir, <laughs> I grew up on main ingredient. Da, 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 da. Oh my God, move boy. And then, <laughs> how did you feel? How did you feel? I mean, people are human beings. Were you all crushed? It, it was Coco, so I you got curved get, for Coco. I guess yeah, I kind of got it. But <laughs> I mean, body suit Coco. I'm sure people would tell you, you know, I curved them. It depends. If you roll up on me at 5.45 at the airport and want to take a selfie. Mm. If you roll up on me in a nightclub with a you know cell phone, talk to my nephew, <laughs> you might yeah, get curbed. Yeah. Okay? I'm not going to FaceTime with your mama. Yeah, I don't know you. I mean, with your mom, I would because I know you. But you know what I mean? Sometimes you have to be like, not You have to now. put up those boundaries, man. Not you now, dude. Not yeah. I feel like that list is longer, but thank you for the short of it. Yeah, but you know, sometimes, yeah. and it's just that way. So I give people, I give people latitude. <laughs> As long as it's not too foul. I mean, you know, nobody's ever, like, swung on me or no shit like that. Or, or stabbed you. <laughs> right, right. I don't want to be stabbed. Stab uh, nobody wants to get stabbed. Stab Callaway. That's a rapper's name, Stab Callaway. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of... Uh, yeah, I might have to steal that one. Yeah, yeah, write that down. <laughs> write that down. <laughs> I mean, that... I think it's going to be my new Twitter name. Yeah, <laughs> you can use it because people, they won't even know. They won't get yeah, the reference, right? They won't know. They won't know. So, if, go ahead. Uh, okay. No, go ahead. Well, I wanted to tell you my Sly Stone. You guys are talking yes. about Sly Stone. Yes. Yes. First of all, Sly Stone, Sly and the Family Stone, were, there was a record store on 12th Street. 12th Street in Detroit is the Black Street. Mm-hmm. We had to walk a few blocks to get to 12th Street. 12th Street, there was a store on there called B and Bob's, and that's where me and my friend, we'd go and get our singles. You know, it was yeah. like soda soda shop, uh, records, uh, pomade, uh, you know. <laughs> Murray's. Baby, baby, Murray, baby Murray. formula, all that shit. Bex. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Murray's, by the way, Detroit company. Murray's? Look on the 10. Look on the 10. New Nile. New Nile. New Nile. But um, <laughs> so we heard Dance to the Music, again, on, on the local radio station. Slice music was so different, so new. I had never heard no kind of shit like that you know what i mean mm-hmm. i was like damn you know boom 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 we we're like oh my god i gotta get some of this so we went and that's where i got that first single and watching him back then there was no all it was was ed sullivan and uh what hollywood palace mm-hmm. you know uh so you had to just wait American Bandstand. I'm about to say yeah, Bandstand. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, watching Sly, seeing Sly, his style was so different and fresh. The way he combined gospel, he was an inventor of funk. I mean, he really was. And his drum patterns. I mean, he had the funkiest drummers I've ever heard. I mean, you Gregory know, his Rico bass player, his bass player, man. Larry Graham invented a whole style that yeah. changed bass playing. So all that in one group. So I saw him at Olympia, at the Olympia Auditorium. That was the um, hockey rink in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I had to be 15, okay? So this was the first time I we talked, me and my my, my, my crew, we talked my, my one of the moms into dropping us off then they would pick us up. What year is this? It's got to be 71. 
Okay. Oh, no. 71. Right. So, right there he is. Yeah. Right. Oh, no. So he, we get there. Everybody was there. All all the crew from school, you know, we all pile in there. And we well, we take the cheapest sick tickets and then just bum rush. That's what we did. <laughs> so as soon as the lights went down, Sly came out and, you know, it was all white on stage. He had those tufted custom uh, amps. And by the way, we're always, you know, equipment heads we just look what is he playing what is what is that what is the gear what is the chord the, the guitars all that farfisha organ so he comes out and he starts jamming and it was like as soon as he hit that first note people turned and started whooping ass they just what? it was a riot immediately so sly stopped There's and he said look man on. he said look man if you if you all don't stop beating these kids we're gonna we, we're gonna go we're gonna go man and so it was like, no, 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 don't go. Everybody's calm down. He started up again. It was like robots. Bam! He just started swinging. And so that <laughs> went on and on. So we got about 20 minutes of music. So he got wow. to, wanna take it? And I'm out. Fuck you. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> it was coitus interrupt just like a motherfucker. And, and so then he went on the news and he apologized and he said, I'm coming back. You know, he had the knit hat, the right. big ass boots. We fucking loved Sly. There was a dude I went to school with who dressed like Sly Stone every single day. <laughs> Summer went, he had the fuzzy boots. He had those, you know, knit hats, all, all that stuff. So Sly Stone was, he was huge, huge, huge. I loved him. I saw him then. Then I saw him another time at the Fisher Theater. This has got to be 74 or 5. And right. again, oh, this was at 12 noon. He had skipped out on another concert, and I just happened to have a ticket like I had been in town right. home from school and I heard he was there and I just went it was a half full house but mm -hmm. that was that drummer there I don't know who this dude was but he one handed was uh not Gregorico but uh no it was not Gregorico cuz Greg left at that point. The no, I got to look him up yeah he's, I can't remember I know you're talking about who was Sugarfoot with somebody else but I'm just telling you it was still it was just I just loved Sly, Sly. I mean I would Go see him anywhere. He yeah. wasn't late because I know, like, he was the original. The original Lauren? Lauren Hill. <laughs> <laughs> he out Lauren Lauren Hill. He, you can't. How you out Lauren? Well, oh, no. Sly, 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 Sly. Let me count yeah. the ways. Yeah, Sly. You'd have was, to go back. I mean, the Sly was notorious. No but stories. I loved him. Okay, so to tie in, not to take up too Andy much. Andy Newmark. Time. That was his name. That's right. Yes, Andy Newmark. Okay, so I was looking at guitars and stuff because as soon as I got flush, you know, as soon as I got a TV show, I just start buying guitars. You know, they were like, "Well, play it." <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I'll take it. Give me the go play the. Strat, I'll take it. So I Sounds met like a dude. Me. <laughs> but I met a dude who is just an equipment guy. And he said that he got a call one day to take up all this equipment had been ordered uh, from their music store here in L.A. and take it up to this house. And, and when he took it to deliver it, Sly was there. It was Sly Stone. And I was like, what is going on? So this is in the 90s. He said, man, this young dude, he said, Sly brought him in and he played him some of the music he was working on. And he do said, he said he just started crying because it was just so beautiful and so amazing. And I was like, oh, my God. Never heard, never heard anything. He's uh, the everyone we know has a gazillion. Man. I went to Sly's crib to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wait, he man. released. I went on iTunes. Yeah, he did a cover. I like covered his own stuff and released that a few years back. That mm. was weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, Jesse Johnson was able to get you know. Yeah. 
get that one tune out. It, it's funny. He's been like, on our show, yeah. Yeah. When uh, you got it, if you ever talk to him, Jesse Johnson, I love his guitar playing, man. Love him. We talked to him great. for a long time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but Dig, so um, like when Lenny Kravitz first like broke, you know, there was that whole young heads who were like, oh, we, we want to sound like dirty, like the 70s, right. like that seven, like there's a riot going on. But what really happened, I mean, what I remember back in the day is Sly, you know, by then the drugs and everything had taken hold and they were doing so many takes, mm -hmm. retakes. Takes. It wasn't yeah. that they wore the tape out. That's why it sounds mm -hmm. so funky. That's what, that's what. Um, like, uh, what's the dude? Brown sugar? Come on, D'Angelo. D'Angelo. Yeah. You know, all that's what they were g going for. Whoever that is, they know, <laughs> man. But you dig? You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, uh, but the, I was there. I remember that shit. That's why, because it was like they owed this album. They had done 800 overdubs, and there, at one point, I think Sly was recording on a boat in um, like Sausalito. That was the story. You know, whatever, 16, 32 track, and just. Taping over, taping over, taping over. It's not good. Boats, taping over, RVs. taping over, taping over. Taping yeah, over. it's an interesting yeah. concept. But that's because what, yeah, they yeah. tell you you should not be, you shouldn't print over anything just in case any remnants remain of the of the earlier takes. But maybe you just wear the shit out, you get a certain sound that Listen way. Too. Listen to it. Yeah. Listen to it. You can hear like it's like, damn. You're yeah. right. But anyway, I love Sly. Love Sly to the end. There's a story of, of that George Clinton always tells of Sly. Um, I know this story. The, the premise starts with Slide, David Ruffin, and George Clinton. In Detroit. In right. Detroit. And the story, oh, is, the story is great. Long, I love the story. But wait, long story short is basically uh, they found uh, a dealer guy uh, to hook him up with stuff. And pretty much uh, Sly knew, oh. Sly could charm the, I mean, he could sell you the Brooklyn Bridge if he wanted to. That's the kind of charm he had. So Sly told the um, the dealer guy, who was such a massive Sly and Family Stone fan, um, you know, I don't have the money on me, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you, <laughs> Stop right I'm going to give you the new unreleased <laughs> oh, Sly and the Family Stone Masters. Finesse. Oh, wow. And he had like 10 Masters. Everything's drawn out like song titles and the, the, the tracking and the, the DB levels and all the EQs, oh and he gave God. it to this guy. And something told George, something told George Clinton to just level with the guy and tell him. George went up to him and was like, "Look, man, what I don't want is to, you know to get unnecessarily shot over some bullshit. <laughs> so yeah. I just want you to know that." These things are blank. I was gonna say, was anything <laughs> on them or what? He's like, he's like, no, these these are blank. Well, dig. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pay you your money. Just give me a second. <laughs> well, dig. When we did Living Color, we did a, a sketch. It was Kim Wayans and I. It was Cephas and Reese. Cephas yes. and Reese. Yes. Yes. Oh man, yes. you Come said on. that like you we didn't know that. Oh. But wait, no. Here's the deal. Don't get on the so they hired. <laughs> but listen, my sister. Was one of the was one of the gospel was one of the gospel singers Cynthia Rose or the the younger one uh, this, the I don't one remember that I don't remember There's but I know it was one, one of them okay. Cynthia one of them because I talked to her and I said oh my God Sly and her face dropped and I went no 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 because I I, I I don't have any bad stories to tell about Sly I love him I just wanted to say I'm a big fan I'm honored that you're even here I was. I couldn't believe it, man. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, but she was one of the gospel singers. Yeah, either Valstone yeah. or, 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 or Rose Stone. Yeah, I forget now. It was a million years ago. But yeah, so that was a whole big circle 
Love slide. So you're you're like when you went to uh, college, you you ended mm-hmm. up at Yale, right? I did, but I did my undergrad was at University of Michigan. Michigan. What year did you go to Yale? I went to Yale from seventy six to eighty one. I went from well, no, seventy eight, seventy eight to eighty one. I went to Michigan from seventy four to seventy eight. So uh, like Angela Bassett years, maybe. Oh, Angela was there the whole year. She's one of the first people I met at Yale. Wow! And when I tell you, like, I was there. uh, Reggie, Kathy, he and I were 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 college roommates. Are you serious? In Michigan, we were college roommates in Michigan. He was a Detroit guy too, or he was from no, he was from Huntsville, Alabama. Okay, but I met him as actors, you know, at University of Michigan. So we were roommates there. I. Uh, applied to Yale. I told Reggie I was applying. He applied too. We both got in, so that's how we rolled out. He has wow. such an amazing yeah. voice. Yeah, man. he I always mean, great had that actor, voice. Great actor, yeah. No, he always had that voice. But the problem was, he was real skinny, dorky-looking kid, and he sounded like James Earl Jones. <laughs> right. So we all knew, like, yeah, man, come thirty-two years, brother, you gonna be you killing gonna be it. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait thirty-two years, though. You know, know. We, ju- we just lost there. him. Yeah, he yeah, died. Well, he yeah. smoked. Oh, God. He always smoked like. Forever, I mean, mm. all day and night. So, yeah, man, huge presence. So, <laughs> so, from the time you were at Yale, were you involved in any? Um, like, were you doing theater? Like, how did you kind of get your chops? I up? went there. I went to the acting school. Oh, you was in yeah. acting school. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So, but but you know, Angela was undergraduate. So we would do our little productions, and like we did this uh, play, a series of one acts about Lester Young, and Angela as an undergrad, we tapped her, and she would come and act with us. Charles Dutton came like Mm-mm. when I was in a sophomore, I mean, or like my second year because it's graduate school. He was there, and so we all worked and stuff. And yeah, Angela, I just saw her, man. Uh, we're doing press. She's a nine nine one one, and I'm doing this other show. But uh, yeah, she's. Uh, what I'm saying is, Angela was Angela back then. Really, mm-hmm. I remember sitting backstage in this little funky theater, and I was like, "So, what are you gonna do?" And she's like, "I don't know." And I'm like. You don't know. <laughs> like, maybe you should be an actress. But she had already been at Yale for four years. So for her to stay another three, that's seven years. Did she stay for the actress? She did. Okay. She went, wow. which was okay. great. Because, and then she met Courtney, too. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Courtney was after I left, after she left. But, but So uh, I saw her do Antigone as a student. And when I, they could have gave her Oscar then. Oh, wow, I mean, she just ripped it up i was like damn what was what was the ivy league experience like back then because i mean now it seems like there's an adjustment like i went to harvard like a year and a half ago and the students seem well adjusted and you know like felt you know, themselves it's funny but, you know it's funny yeah reggie and i when we got there we just, I felt like, and you know, I, I felt like just a kid in a candy store. Like, you know, we're going to run this motherfucker. <laughs> you know, because we just did what we wanted to do. I mean, we were just running out there. But it was different. For me and my class, as an actor, as a black actor, people, black kids, students who were in the acting program who came to see us, told us, you know, when they were there, uh, they played butlers and maids. You know, that's wow. it. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. That's it. That was it. And, you know, and by the time we got there, we were doing everything. I mean, because we were just like, no, give me that. Yeah, but you said Antigone. I mean, shit, no, give shit. me that. I'm going to have a piece of your steak. I'm going to take some of your fries. We just did it. So that was a change over. This, that's the only thing we knew. And that's how we 
moved in the world. But those older students who had been there before us came back and they told us, they were like, oh man, y'all are living good. This place has changed. And we just happened to come in in that uh, new wave and energy. You know, after that, then black kids. It's still not as diverse. It wasn't as diverse back then as it could have been. No, I don't remember. There were Asian students, but not really actors. You know, not that I remember of brown, Hispanic, not none of that. I think, uh, but you know, a couple of black kids. What was Charles S. Dutton like back then? He's Charles always one of my favorite actors, Dutton, man. man. Well, there was a woman that was in my class. Her name is Izzy Monk, and she knew Charles because they went to Towson State. Ah, so, yeah, 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 Charles came in, Rock came in, and we just, yeah, we kicked it real hard. And he was just a beautiful dude, man. I mean, he still is. I haven't talked to him in a while. Um, but he came in with such a force of nature, you know. I mean, if you if you ever got to see him on stage, he would just uh, rip it up. But he, he really was a great guy. I mean, like if you befriended him, um, that's a friend for life. I mean, he came from some real shit. Like yeah. I'm not really going to tell his stories cause that's for him to tell. Need that well, but I've heard, but yeah. I mean, yeah, but I mean, he's written about it. Was this talked before, about it. Was that before he went to prison or was that? It was after, after. it was after. Oh, it was that. So it was after, so but impressive. see the story was like when I first met rock, I was like, yeah, that's me. Me and Reggie were like, so what's up, man? What'd they put you in there for? Now the story <laughs> he told us at the time, he said, well, I got busted for possession of bank paraphernalia. And we were like, yeah, so the police <laughs> caught him, and you know, that means like bank money okay. and the accoutrements of a robbery, okay. you know, and that they put him in jail uh, for that. So that was the story that we got. And, uh, you know, if Rock's talking to you, you will accept that story. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to be like, I, I object. I question that yes. story. <laughs> you know, and later we found out, you know, after he came out and he did Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. The story was, I think, uh, maybe a tabloid was threatening to expose him, you know, and about what he really did. And Rock just gave an interview and just, you know, told got his own story. Yeah, yeah, got in front of it. So that that's when I really heard the other half of it. And I was like, damn. At what? The, okay. uh, just at the time for you when you were at Yale, what was really mo- floating your boat and moving your passion? Because you're such a multifaceted actor funny the, person and music person as well is kind of like well I, at that point i mean i was my passion was acting just okay? whatever dramatic yes it didn't matter and, and and what i always did from michigan again when i started acting at michigan they had the black kids and we had this one it was called black theater and you know it was very much uh, an extension of the 60s um, that black arts movement, um, studying black playwrights and putting on these plays. But the culture at Michigan was such that they did one black production a year and all the black kids would wait for that production. Well, as soon as I hit the ground, I was auditioning for everything. Jacobean mm-hmm. tragedies, uh, you know, parlor mysteries. I'd be the only <laughs> nigga in there. <laughs> Lady Olivia! May I approach thee? You know, they're like, thanks, David. I swear to God, they'd be like, thanks for coming in, buddy. You know, but my thing was like, I'm going to keep auditioning, man. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to deny me forever. And I auditioned for everything. So what's the first one you got? 
Uh, it was Othello. Oh, it wow. was Othello, and my professor Vaughn Washington played Othello. But me, Reggie, was in it. Ooh, was, man. and uh, so we were in. There. I'll tell you a funny story. So every night, you know, at the very end of Othello, you know, the whole company comes in. It's Othello's death scene. But soft you, a word before you go. I've done the state some service. You know, it goes on and on. Now, usually we'd be standing on the stairs because me and Reggie, we had like three lines. I remember my lines. A messenger from the galleys. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Here's more news. That was terrible. <laughs> Reggie had some shit. So we would be fucking around and we'd be like, where are we going to hang out tonight, man? Are we going to Pizza Hut or blah blah blue So every night we'd be kicking it like, yeah, what are we going to do, man? Whatever. And so I look over and see Reggie and I'm like, I'm asking him, man, what's up? What are we going to do tonight? And he wouldn't answer. And I look at him, and he's just blubbering, crying. I'm like, man, what the fuck is going on, man? He looked at me, and he said, the motherfucker got to me, man. His <laughs> 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 mom was like going, I know all of you. You know, you know, I know you. You know, I, you know he gives this big monologue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It cracked me the fuck up. <laughs> I can't help you, man. Words all in my dome and shit. It's fucking me up, man. Oh, I was man. dying. I was dying. <laughs> so from the yeah. time that you uh after like Othello and your time at Yale, mm -hmm. how did you what was kind of one of your first breaks? Or you know, what did you do in between that? Well, my first job, I played Jackie Robinson on Broadway. It was in a musical called The First. That was my first professional job. Oh, wow. I started auditioning um while I was still in my final year at Yale because the casting uh, directors for the first were the same uh, people who, who cast the uh, repertory theater there. And they said, they came to me and they said, well, do you mind if we submit you? I was like, fuck yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so it was over months and months. And as a matter of fact, the guy who wrote the lyrics and directed Annie, the musical, oh, wow. Martin Sharnan, uh, was uh, directing and co-writing uh, the first with Joel Siegel. Uh, Martin Chardon, he's 85. I just did Daddy Warbucks at the Hollywood Bowl. Martin came to see me. And, you know, uh, Alan Johnson passed away. These people are dropping like flies. So I, here's what I did. I got Martin in my dressing room, my clothes door. I said, listen, man, I'm not going to post on Facebook, okay? I'm not going to wait till you're dead. I just want to tell you now I love you. You started my career. He really pulled me out of school. And uh, you gave me my first break, uh, you know, and I appreciate you and I love you. Let's get this pound in now while we're alive and breathing. So that was fun. That was good to know. Yeah. So that was my first job. We ran like three weeks. About what, uh, what year was this? 1981. Oh, wow. Yeah, Dream Girls had come in. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. Yeah, I remember sitting in a, uh, we used to hang out at this place called Corumbus, and these three fine-ass black girls come in, they like, they in Dream Girls. Sure. <laughs> that's going to that's gonna be a hit. Yeah. And there was Loretta Devine, Shirley Ralph, Shirley Ralph uh, Jennifer, all of them. Jennifer, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Jennifer Lewis. Well, Jennifer Lewis one. was in it too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She not not when she, I was in there, but Jennifer Lewis was again. Jennifer Lewis was Jennifer Lewis back in eighty one. She's one of the first. <laughs> he ran her book. Yeah, yeah. yeah she worked uh, workshop the role of Effie, and then they. Hired yeah. Her. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And they workshop for like three years. I mean, it was long. And so by the time I came in and took over for Cleavant Derricks while he was on vacation, and then I stayed and stood by, and you know, making that money, man, that Broadway money, but that's how I Broadway met. Broadway money is good money? To me? 
back then in eighty one. Straight 81? out of college, okay. like straight when I college. Yeah, it was a couple program? grand. Yeah. Fuck yeah, it was a couple grand a week, man. Please, okay. I was big. Oh, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. I was rich. I had a, I had a nineteen inch Sony Trinitron. How dare you? Looking up and down, jobs. looking up and down, man. I had this <laughs> J. I had this green and blue. Nike tracksuit that I bought on 125th Street. Oh, this shit was fly, baby. I wore the stank out that motherfucker. I'd be like, mm. that was, ooh, it was hell yeah. I thought I was flushing the Where were you living at in the city? Where, where did you I say? live, you know, I lived in like a little apartment up on 103rd, 107th in Broadway. Okay. And then I moved to my own joint and, and like this is a duplex, but it really was an apartment. They cut a hole in it. And yeah, I was yeah. right next to the furnace. You know, like it used to be coal. Yeah. So I actually my my bedroom was the old coal wow. bin, whatever you call that. But I but again, I was like Upper East Side, nigga, please. I <laughs> duplex, man. So, Don't fuck with me. The thing is, is that I'm, I'm and I've heard in past interviews where you like you know I started out a series actor and everything. Yeah. But where do you? Is it your theory that? comedy really depends on how good your timing is because i would have if had i not known mm -hmm. your serious back background and and acting i would have thought that you know you were in a like a groundlings or a, a like but in a way i was you know i started doing i mean we did a stand-up show at yale and clearly i was enamored with comedy when we were doing porgy and bess a woman came and gave me the playbill from the first. Wow. And when I looked at my uh, bio, I had no credits. This is my first professional job. Mm -hmm. But what I put down there is David has appeared in comedy clubs across the nation. And, you know, so clearly <laughs> that was A the sexy lie. spot. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but wait, because you got to figure, Eddie Murphy had just... It was just about to come on. All the energy was in comedy. I, I snuck down and performed like open mics a couple times at the improv in uh, Manhattan. And I met Keenan there. That's actually the first place I met him. What year was this? This got to be 80. Wow. 79 early? or 80. Yeah. And I waited in line and he was the only regular that would talk to me. Oh. And, and I was like, dude, what, what should I do? And he said, okay, well, I'll watch you. You know, I went on like two in the morning. Basically, <laughs> you get three minutes. So I just yelled and screamed, did some cartwheels, and I'm like, wow! <laughs> and Keenan was like, okay, well, you have energy. <laughs> hey, Keenan, he was a comic. He would go up then. He was, he was working stuff out yeah, at that time. Yeah, man. He was already, I mean, he was, when I say he was a, a regular, that means, you know, you passed, well, you passed this audition. Oh, wow. And okay. so you were able to do spots. That's how the old oh, okay. system I was. I thought you meant he was just a regular just No, 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 no. A regular means he stood in line until the owner goes, okay, you are passed. That means you get spots and uh, all that. The rest of us were just out there. Wow. So, uh, yeah, man. So clearly, to answer your question, I've always been a class clown. I've always been this dude, but I was just trying to be like, you know, like, because back then I wanted to be like the black doctor or lawyer. So when Denzel got uh, St. Elsewhere, we all oh, auditioned. Wow. I auditioned everybody. Word. Wow. Yeah. Get rid of that. Nurse, man, please. 
<laughs> uh, she needs to have her appendix taken out. You know, he got it, but we all auditioned. And then, you know, I did Soldier's Play at oh, the Negro man. Ensemble. Yo, this was after the first. And that's where I met Adolf Caesar, Sam Jackson. Oh, man, listen. Sam, let me Sam tell Jackson you about Sam. Your... Oh, my God. We had all the dudes. We, we shared one big room. And there was this 12-inch... TV, black and white TV that was in the corner, and they watched Family Feud every day. <laughs> okay. And Sam Jackson ruled that dressing room. Number one Talk about comedy. <laughs> what? I will save this actor's name, but one time an understudy went on, and Sam was just real. He's like, motherfucker, what was you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Nigga, what the fuck was that? And you know, he kept going at him, and the dude said, Fuck you, Sam. And Sam, when I'm missing a beat, he said, Before you put your dick in me, you need to put your dick in this second act. Man, listen to me. I ran out the building. I ran out the building. He had Adolf Caesar. He was, he was putting, yeah, he was putting his makeup. Sam was in the corner. He's like, Man, what the fuck is you doing with this old kabuki makeup? <laughs> <laughs> Only motherfucker in here with you. Yeah, the rest of us were sweaty, funky. We just be like, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What was Adolf like as, a, as an actor, oh man? Oh, my like, God. We loved Adolf. Adolf Caesar, man, please. He was, first of all... A little short, light-skinned dude grew up in Harlem named Adolf yes. Caesar. Yeah. Yeah. What parent <laughs> would name Adolf Caesar? In the early 1900s. Yeah, right? yeah, man. But Adolf had great stories. I mean, I talked to him. I remember he said, you know, he was caught in a trick bag, whereas he was not black enough in hue. 
because when, you know, black consciousness, the 60s, all that big-ass afros, chocolate brown skin, he didn't fit in that mold, yet he wasn't white enough. He described going to the Guthrie as a young actor, and uh, Tyrone Guthrie and the white, they sent him home. They said, Adolf, we really, we don't have anything for you, so you need to go back to uh, New York, you know, because we can't really help you. And uh, so that was really a poignant story. And when he came in, he had been on a roll, but Sergeant Waters. Listen, man. Okay, Woo! so who was, because A Soldier Story, like, that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Like, I used to watch that coming home, like, from school. Like, that was, like, my babysitter. Into my I didn't think we'd get into it. I, Sam didn't get in. Oh, yeah, I was about to say, because, yeah, who was Sam? Well, who was well, he Sam, playing? Who but, was he you know, Sam, I think they, as I remember, they wrote his character out. Ah, like he was gay because his character would always read all his love letters, you know, from all his girlfriends. Okay. That wasn't in the movie. Um, but to watch it. Okay, so Reggie Cathy, he called me up. He said, look, man, there's a part for you in Soldier Story because Soldier's oh, Play. Okay. Yeah, Larry Riley, who played CJ, the piano. CJ, CJ Mims. He CJ played, Mims. played guitar, played slide. You know, everybody knew I played guitar. And he's like, man, you could kill this. So I went over there and I got the part immediately. And this and is in the play, right? Yes. Okay. Which in one came first? I'm, that's what I was the play. Okay, the play came first. The play, the play came first. So you know, people would come, but you know, at that time, I didn't think any of us would get in to the movie because I just thought they would use Hollywood actors. And but Norman Jewison auditioned all of us and he put us in there, man. Wow. Man. Yeah. So what was that experience like, man? Like working with was um, great. Guy, Howard Rollins. I mean, that was Yeah, it was, was wild, like man. You know, Howard, most of it was you know, that was a six million dollar movie. And the, the the vibe around it, you know, everybody was like, Don't fuck up. You know, this is your big shot. Not since Bingo Long and the Traveling All Stars. You know, <laughs> this is gonna be yeah. This is gonna be Black Panther. You know, <laughs> the nineteen eighty one version. That's how my parents uh, saw it. Yeah, me watch it. Yeah, yeah but it was my uncle just was like you're going to watch this movie. No, we hung out. I mean, it was a brotherhood, man. Denzel, everybody was putting in work. But the story I wanted to tell you is when I finally met Eddie Murphy. Eddie said the first time he ever saw me was in a soldier story. And he didn't know me. He didn't know who I was. He said, dude, when you came on, he said, who the fuck is this country ass? Dude, where the fuck did they get him from? You know, because we were all doing the Southern uh -huh. accents, which was a great compliment. But it was funny. Yeah, CJ, don't talk, man. Quit talking. Crazy, <laughs> CJ. <laughs> yep. And uh, no, we oh, had man. big fun. And Norman Jewison was beautiful, man. Yeah, man. It was nice. Now, was I showed that movie. movie to my sons. Like I did. I mean, mm -hmm. I used to watch it as a kid, mm -hmm. but it didn't really resonate until you yeah. know I got older and really understood. Yeah. But yeah, that that's just a class. That's one of my favorite it movies was all time. Big man. fun, man. Big fun. We went fishing. We did everything, man. In that little ass funky fucking Arkansas, man. Yeah. Ah, damn. Beautiful. I didn't you know Arkansas. Fort Smith, Arkansas. One location. Fort damn. Smith, Arkansas. You have three months. So what was the yeah, go ahead. oh I was gonna ask what what uh, what was the first uh, television thing that you did as far as the first television thing I did is I did a presentation a pilot presentation that's like a fifteen minute presentation and it was me and two white guys David Steinberg directed it and it was for CBS and you know it was just some innocuous 
comedy. But I remember I would call CBS every day. And there was this cute Puerto Rican chick who worked at the uh, reception. I'd be like, because I wanted to know if a show got picked up. I had a pad and pencil. I was at calculating. I said, shit, if this bad boy gets picked up, you know, 15000 a week, I'll be a, a thousandaire. So, <laughs> you know, I'd be flushed like a motherfucker. Yeah, it didn't get picked up. So that was the first thing I did, you know. But the first show I did was called All Is Forgiven. That was in 1986. And it was the Charles Brothers who did Cheers. That was their first show after that. Ah. So again, I was like, well, I was at the Ferrari dealership. Poor. I was <laughs> counting tickets before they Hell yeah, notoriously. Man's was ready. I, I had a calculator. I'm like, <laughs> in two and a half years, you know. So, so that's what we did, and we got an order for thirteen. And Dick, I was telling people when I was on um, the Carmichael show, talk about ratings, and we looked it up. We followed Cheers. So our premiere week we pulled in 20 million viewers. And at that time, the network was like, mm. what? Word. Yeah, yeah because coming cheers. Out of cheers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Coming cheers. And at that time, it was like, mm. you, you held it. But yeah, and when they canceled us, we were pulling in like 18 million. Yeah. We, we oh had an order for 13. We did nine episodes. And, you know, then they took us. They had a big meeting and they said, listen, we're so good. We're not going to do the rest of our order because we don't need it. And I was like, "Wow, nigga, I was on the phone immediately. The ship is sinking. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, oh, man. I was like going, hey, dog, we're going to record this album. We're not going to release it because it's so good. People will find it. You know, you're like, no, man, get the yeah. fuck out. Like a Pharrell remix album. Exactly. <laughs> man. We talk shots. Box set. Okay. All right. Of okay. everything. Whenever. Okay. How did you, um, so from the time from the soldier story. To, what, what, you no, I was just laughing at your fast react. It was just fast. Go ahead. Oh, no. From the time of uh, a soldier story to, you know, you doing the positive stuff, how were you supporting yourself? Were you still just doing theater? I always worked. I mean, I never, ha I only did theater. I mean, I mean, I only did acting. So oh, I was so doing dope. everything. So you I never had this did like weighted tables. Never had shit. to. Not In my Roy whole Rogers, career. Not, that's right. You, In my you, whole you was career. the Huxtables. In my but but True, my parents never helped me. It was just money. Wow. Well, I was single. So you consistently mm. just gig, that gig, work. that gig, that gig. I mean, that was my reality. It's, it's awesome. You know, older like uh, you know, there are people who would mentor me. I remember Anna Marie Horsford had a oh, sister man. who was like in, at Columbia, and Columbia did Soldier Story. And I remember we, I was eating, you know, at her house. She had this really nice apartment. Uh, West End Avenue, and they were asking me back then. They were like, um, you know, well, you'll know when you're out of work. And I was like, I've never been out of work. And these, they were like, oh, my God, this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I was what doing, like? like, you know, I just was working. We were doing everything. We do voiceovers, commercial, you know, every, anything. Man. How did well, you get soap operas? How did you get hooked up with um, Hollywood Shuffle? How did you get the Well, part? Robert Townsend, I met Robert Townsend on... Um, soldiers play. So it stole soldiers. Oh, that's right. He was. Yeah. 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 I forgot he, he was, was driving. We shared a honey wagon. He was the driver. We shared a honey wagon. Oh, wow. So I will tell you, like, Rob, I thought Robert was the funniest dude I ever in the world. Like, he was doing everybody's material. You know, like, he was doing, he said, Yeah, I man, it's my boy Damon. And he did all the more money shit. And I'd be like crying. Like, who the fuck? <laughs> Me, him, him and Denzel were always already tight and just crying. I'm talking about. 15 hours a day. You know, when you're young, uh, we couldn't get enough. We would make each other laugh till we just passed out sleep. I remember sitting on the bed 
in, I think it was Denzel's room and watching Keenan on Soul Train, you know, do and, and on The Tonight Show when he did his first spot. He was in the center fold of uh, Right On magazine. You know, right Robert was on. like, <laughs> but Robert broke it down to me in our little trail. He said, look, man, we're going to have a film company, him and Keenan. We're doing these movies. Uh, we're doing, so he broke it all down then. So he said, man, if you're down, I want you to do this, you know, Hollywood Shuffle and all that stuff. So I, I heard about it. And when I came out for to do my pilot season that following year, I stayed with Robert and he introduced me to Keenan Damon who Damon was the size of like Marlon like even like 140 wow. pounds wow. but yes. Damon always had kids like he had kids <laughs> <laughs> from the first time I met him I was like damn this motherfucker got kids always holding a baby yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's my fight. son holding a baby <laughs> hey man that's my son <laughs> so dig so that led to I'm going to show you how I get to got to living color so Keenan all those guys knew me just from hanging out. So I would hang out with them every night and go to these comedy clubs. I didn't do comedy until Robert and those guys just shamed me into it. They were like, look, man, you can't be just rolling with us. You got to do spots. So I started doing spots just for fun. And uh, so through that, Keenan knew me, you know. So when we did I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, um, and that broke, um, Keenan was like, look, I know how funny you are. Wait. What did you do? I'm, a, I'm trying to remember. I played the news guy. He was the news guy. He was the real news guy. Which, again, that was basically he interviewed. He interviewed uh, he, he, John Bernie Casey. Yeah, Bernie Casey. He, he was yeah. the one that was in the Springsteen. Right. I was in the Springsteen. Yes. You know? Which I was in the Springsteen. I was. I was like, Bruce Springsteen's amazing. He's amazing. You guys heard him? Because he's really good. Yeah. So they basically, Keenan just said, do your thing. So he goes, look, man, I'm doing this show. You know, this sketch show, black sketch show, I want you to be on it. Now, Robert, already, we had been talking about the five heartbeats. Mm -hmm. Now, the original cast was supposed to be me, Denzel, I think Damon. No. Wow. Uh, Keenan and Robert. So uh, I got in, long story short, I got in in Living Color, and then Robert called and he said, man, I got the money. We're doing the five heartbeats. I'm like, What? I was like, shit, I got to get out this deal. He said, man, what the fuck? Why'd you sign the deal? You know, and I called Keenan. And I was like, Keenan, I need to talk to you because I'm very unhappy <laughs> about this contract. I need to be let go to do this movie. He was, he was like, dude, I can't. I mean, you signed a contract. It's not me. I mean, Fox will sue you. And I was like, I don't think you want me in your show if I'm going to be very angry. <laughs> <laughs> so Keenan was like, Dave, look, um... Shake it off. I mean, I wish I could help you, but I sorry, I, I could. I mean, I was just—it yeah. was one of those things. So I didn't do it. Keenan couldn't do it. Damon didn't do it. And who were you supposed to be? I forget. I honestly forget no. which hey, part. He played the dresser. Maybe one of those dudes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. So wait, 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 wait. Who's the original lineup again? Me, Bob. You know, Robert Townsend, uh-huh. Damon, Keenan, Denzel. Who who would have been Eddie Kane? Yeah, who would have been Kane? Yeah, been Kane? Denzel. I Denzel mean, you would have been Kane. There's a Kane. well, there's a documentary <sighs> about that I haven't seen yet. But we that, tried to see it. We were working. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe it's in there. But yeah, so all that and like, uh, yeah, it was wild, man. So when y'all, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say it's it's deep because you work with so many like dope ensemble casts that I just. I was going to ask you, like, what's, who has challenged you the most in the best ways? Is that an obvious? It was in Living Color because, okay. you know, coming into In Living Color, 
I did not have a um, comedy background. I mean, you know, Keenan, Damon, all those guys were in the trenches. They came in with their pockets full. I didn't have any characters. Damon actually came to me. That's how Calhoun Tubbs was written. He said, look, man, you got to have some characters. Think of something. You know, I was like, well, there's this blues dude. And he said, well, let's write it down. So wow. we came up with that. Then we did Men On. Right. You know? I was like, so it just kind of built. Yeah, it kind of built. I forgot about like Men on that. Film. Man, yeah. Men on Film. Uh, but originally that was Keenan and Damon. Yeah, uh, I remember yeah, that. And they were supposed to be Dickie and somebody. They're brothers, you know, and they're yeah. going to be. And then Cephas and Reese was. Um, man, listen. Wait a minute, who is it? It was the dudes from Motown, the writers. Ashford and Simpson. Ashford and Simpson. Simpson. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was what it was based on, but a ghetto-ass version of it. What was Chevelle and Howard Tibbs the third based on? Real people, because when, when Living Club Color Dale. first popped, I mean, dudes would just hang out. And I remember sitting in the uh, makeup room, and dudes would just roll in. Be like, oh, look here, brother. Can you give this card to Damien and them? <laughs> you know, you know, you know how black folks do. So yeah, we, yeah. a lot of it. There was a table that was in our rehearsal studio, and we would have breakfast, and then we start our day. And most of those characters started. We were just ragging on each other, you know. And that was one of those things where me, everybody would do it because we all saw those guys until finally, after a few days, you'd be like, yo, man, that shit is funny. You need to put that on the show. So that's kind of how it evolved. And then it was me and Tommy. Man, how often did y'all crack up? Because like some of my funniest... Times of watching Living Color was watching y'all about to laugh yeah. and fuck up. Yeah. Like, Dude, that shit was so funny. There's a sketch where I saw a while ago because I remember we were doing it and I was tired. It was late. I'm like, man, they ain't gonna tape this shit. And Terry, the director, goes, "Got it." And I'm like, what? Told you we were taping it. So I, I was watching one of the sketches. You see me in there, like. Because <laughs> I thought we were rehearsing, man. I was like, oh shit, she was right. Where did Prison Tiny come from? Uh, Is that a woman with big breasts? That was, oh, you yeah. know what? Yes. I did. I wrote that with, like, I went to college with this guy, Fax Bar, and, and he was a white dude. And he was in our theater company, like way back. We did short eyes and stuff. Oh, wow. So okay. I brought him and his writing partner onto the show. And he, me and him, and Adam Small, we all wrote the Prison Cable Channel Network. Yeah, the <laughs> and the reason why it was so much fun is because if you look back at the first one, especially, everybody was in it. Yeah. Keenan really didn't. He would he would do stuff, but he was in it. Jim was in it. Everybody all together. Yeah. And that's what made it so fun because usually it would be like, you know, this is your sketch. You know, I don't know, microphone man, and we do smaller stuff and support you and go on. But to get everybody down, and that was what was fun about it. Yeah. How did because of the 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 kind of the the rapid level of how that show just mm -hmm. exploded across America? Um, how different was your life after season one? Well, I'll t I'll give you an example. Um, I auditioned for In Living Color with Chris Rock. We did our final, like this improv, me and him and Susie Essman. Susie didn't Susie really, yep. oh, okay. wow. really want to do this show. She was like, you guys do it. I don't really want to do this. Really? Huh. No, she wanted to stay. She was, I'm not moving to L.A. I want to stay. She's so New York, yeah. Who Loved else her. auditioned for the show? Martin, that? Martin, Martin Lawrence. Wow. Audition, I auditioned with Martin. Me and him were friends from way back, and he didn't get it. So he would come in. What? No, he didn't get it. So wait, other people auditioned for this. I felt like you, 11, were specifically chosen. Well, we were, but still there was a, an audition process. Martin auditioned, and... Uh, so everybody from the Comedy Act Theory. 
No, not everybody. Oh. Robin Harris. He was on at one point. I feel like he was. I don't think so. No, 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 no. No, but 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 I I went to the Comedy Act Theater a million times. Okay. I performed there a million times. I saw Robin. You know, a trillion times. No, as I remember, he was not on it. But I just, I'm telling you, I auditioned with Martin. I auditioned with Chris Rock. Uh, Chris did uh, Saturday Night Live. So I went to visit Chris. And that's when I really thought, well, damn, shit, I guess I'm doing something. Because, you know, everybody at Saturday Night treated me like I was famous. You know, Lauren, Michaels, they were like, oh, my God. You know, the whole cast... Uh, they were like, dude, well, you know, they treated me like I was about some shit. And I was like, damn, man. Because, you know, when we did in Living Color, we would, you know, we would do our work. Then we would go have Thai food or go hang out at Cape Mantellini's. That was the big joint on Wilshire. It's closed now. But, uh, and then we go home. It wasn't, you know, when you go to Saturday Night Live, they got limos, after party, paparazzi. Mm-hmm. Nah, man, I got my little, I forget what I had. My father gave me a chocolate brown 1981 Coupe de Ville. Oh, wow. And you could outrun that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was not like that, you know? So, so, so coming to visit Chris, and I was like, Chris, is it like this all the time? He said, yeah, man. Yeah, so Chris came on after that. He came later. Season five, yeah. Yeah, he came later. But Chris, I knew Chris since probably 19, fuck, I don't know, 80-something. Where did y'all come up with the Little Miss Magic? Uh, (laughs) There was a picture. I remember walking in. (laughs) Little Miss Magic? Little Little Magic. Magic. It was at the back of a jet. It was him and Kim, right? It was you and Kim. Yeah, it was him and Kim. The back of a jet magazine. We found this picture of this little black girl. And it was so obnoxious because she was like, <laughs> and we and we just started riffing. We, we just I forget who named her Little Magic, but it was Kim immediately. And uh, I didn't want to play the mom because I was like, well, I ain't putting on this drag shit. And then, and then Damon goes, Listen, motherfucker, I have the dress on, okay? So you, you do it or not? It's like, well, shit. Let me just go on and do it because we would play around and stuff. So that's how that happened. I mean, it just a lot of it's very organic, you know. If we made each other laugh, then it was obvious. You got to do that. You got to make a sketch out of that. Oh, man. So, all right. So, here's something I always wanted to know. That's what I was trying if, to find out who happened to her. Who? Kelly, Kelly Caulfield. Caulfield. I was trying she to. She got get, married. Who? She acted. Kelly Caulfield. She was like yeah. the first. How uh, many seasons? The, like she was the. Wasn't she the whole show? I mean, she made. No, wow. because there was a At point the first when y'all four in Alexandra Wentworth. The Alexandra Alexandra oh, Wentworth. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ted Kelly was there from the beginning. Though. Yeah, yeah, she, she was. was she was OG. Fucking hilarious. Yeah. Well, she won. I mean, it's like anything. I mean, Keenan said something really funny. Like when it first popped off. He said, look, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Somebody's going to cheat on their wife. Mm. Somebody's going to fuck somebody's girlfriend. Somebody's going to have a drug problem. Somebody's going to come out the closet. Some, You know, all that stuff. It's what happens in every group, basically. And basically, that's what happened. I mean, you know, you, 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 you get a groove going. It's really famous. And then, you know, people want more. You have more lines than me. You know, that's the kind of stuff. Wow. So that's basically what happened. And it just, once Keenan left... What year did he leave? He left after the second year. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. 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 he left. Yeah. yeah, I always felt like he was there longer, but no, you're right. Yeah. No, but yeah. but well, we all stayed, and then the Wayans gradually. I think uh, Damon left. Damon left. Yeah, and then so it was Kim and uh, Sean, and you know, uh, so and it just kind of dissipated after that. All right, y'all. 
You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What I want to know is, okay, so when you were in your your bag and in your zone with Mm -hmm. doing like Broadway and occasional movies or whatever, and you had... You, you said like you weren't super broken. You didn't have to get a, get a regular job. You made a, a modest living. Yeah. But okay, so when you're on a, a a cultural phenomenon like Living Color, and you're in L.A. and you make that decision to jump into the the river, yeah, which is like okay, you're making good money, mm-hmm. and the show looks like it's going to be a hit. So you're probably saying to yourself, okay, I'll should be no reason why we're not on the air for at least seven years or yeah. whatever. So how risky is it to really lay down roots in Los Angeles? As in, I'm on a hit show. Do I get the ball out the car? Yeah. Do I do I get the, you know, uh, well, I'm giving this, I'm giving the example that. I'm giving is that, okay, when Ugly Betty was on the air mm-hmm. and it was such a hit and all that stuff, uh, America purchased this house and everything and then like it got canceled in three years right and she couldn't sell that house for shit it took that like never, nine years yeah, to get that rid. never happened to me but um well just in general like once you decide to not be meager and, and well i'll tell you my, what that happened that happened like i was doing uh, i started auditioning for this bob fossey musical and uh, I went to England to visit a friend of mine, Matthew Modine, who is doing oh, yeah. Full Metal Jacket. He's Full Metal Jacket, yeah, yeah. And I remember my agents called, and they said, David, if you come back, 
we know you're going to get this musical. And at that point, you know, I had done Dream Girls on and off. I was really getting tired of New York, that scene. I really wanted to buy a car. I wanted to buy a drop top Mustang GT 5.0. That was my dream car. And I said, I'm not going to get this man in New York. That's when I really emotionally said, I'm going to L.A., Okay, so I didn't go back. I didn't go back to do that final call for the Bob Fosse musical. I went out to L.A. that for that pilot season and I booked my first pilot. So basically from that, I would move back. I came back once after we did the pilot of In Living Color, because once we did the pilot, it took over a year for them to pick it up. You know, when I would go and do guest spots, I I, I did this uh, guest spot on ALF. But wherever (laughs) I would go, right, wherever I would go, all the crew had seen, we did an hour pilot of In Living Color. It became like a bootleg tape. And these dudes on the crew would be like, yo, man, that was the funniest shit. What are they going to do with it? I was like, I don't know. It got so bad that Vanity Fair printed an article about In Living Color. You know, something like, this is the hottest underground tape. You know, it's like a black Saturday Night Live. Everybody had seen it. Yeah, it was over what a year. Long, what took so long to iron it? Well, see, you know, the concept of In Living Color, Eddie, ha- Eddie Murphy had it, that idea, to do a black SNL, a black sketch show. Everybody had that idea, but Keenan is the one who actually Executed, did it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was Barry Diller was running Fox. And they didn't see this as, yo, this is going to be instant hit. I'm just telling you, man, it took a while. Finally, we got picked up, and uh, that's when I went. And I said no three times, you know. I, I said no because, like I told you, I'm not, that's not my thing, you know. I don't really, I don't have a bunch of characters. I'm not deep in this improv thing. But Kim Wayans, I moved back to New York. And when I moved back, after being in L.A., I realized that was the wrong thing because the next day I was back at the same call, same two dudes. Hey, man, what's up? Where you been, man? I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and she said, David, trust me, this is the right decision. So I trusted her. And because out of all the shit I auditioned for, it was at a time where I must audition for 30 pilots. I was the dude who was really like, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll go black. David, you want to read? Yeah. You know, so I would read. I didn't get it. But I always knew that Living Color would be the most fun. It wasn't the most money. But finally, I just told my agents, I was like, I'm just going to do this because I'm tired of, you know, auditioning for stuff I didn't really care about. Because you were on it to the very end, right? Or, yeah, or did yeah, you I get, was. Mm-hmm. You saw it all the way Yeah, yeah, the I end. was. And so once I got in there... Dude, when we did the pilot, we did Men On. I remember my agent called the next day and she said, they're doing snaps over at um, MGM. (laughs) David, they're doing snaps at Columbia. People are snapping all over the city. And I was like, damn. Blaine Edwards. And this was for the first time, for the first time in my life, everybody was in like our green room. Everybody, all the biggest stars, you know, everybody wanted to come and hang out with us. And I was like, damn, for one... For once in my life, I was on the coolest show. Uh, I went, I got my burglar alarm installed, and the white dude, <laughs> he said, he was like, oh. he just went crazy. He was like, oh, my God. The the cab driver, I was like, damn, this must be what it feels like. No, it's it, it's funny you say that characters were your thing because you created some of my favorite characters. Like, Cephas and Reese, yeah. like, 
I mean, I got into Dude. it. I'm just oh, saying man. that as an actor, as an artist, we all are apprehensive. I mean, I just everybody has insecurity. I mean, I just heard a story that like Quincy Jones talked about it. He talked about like he was supposed to jam with Hendrix a bunch of times, but he said Hendrix never showed up because he said he 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 felt like he he knew he was intimidated by these jazz musicians. You know, he he didn't mm-hmm. have his knowledge was different. You know, right. him and Miles Davis kicked it they were supposed to record a bunch of shit but it just never got together everybody has an insecurity even the most brilliant people they do every artist you know shit where they i'm not ready you know or or this kind of thing but you know i jumped in i said fuck it you know so it all worked out after in living color what were your where did you go from there i'll tell you you know after in living color i figured because i was doing stand-up and stuff i said well i probably can headline for about 18 months you know, there's no YouTube. There's no nothing. When, how long did they announce to you that the season five is our last one? Was it just like last day of work? Happened. Here's the cake. I was in New York. <laughs> I was doing Shakespeare in the Park. And now after that, you know, Jim Carrey had always already blown up with. Ace Ventura. Yes. Was that the first one? What was his first movie? The Mask? The, was it? No, nah, it was Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura was one. Yeah. Which was a movie? No, no, no Ace Ventura. I turned that down. Everybody did. It was, it was a script that was passed around. But Jim took it because he said, look, I'll take this, but you got to let me do my thing. So they gave him all the power, and he said, fuck it. You know? oh, wow. so, that shit blew. Now, I got to tell you another story. So we went to the opening of uh, Ace Ventura, and so the press chick goes, oh, I got an excitement. You know, I have exciting news. I've sat you next to Jim. And, you know, yeah, Jim Carrey. And Jim was so nervous. He literally was climbing out of his skin. So I'm sitting right there, and I ha- I wanna, I'm going to laugh because it's my boy, whatever. I'm going to laugh. And I laughed myself dizzy, sick. <laughs> now I'm watching it, and I'm like, Jim is too crazy, man. Jim, 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 he did that movie like they gave him six months to live. So he was just telling every joke. Every joke, he just worked it. And so I come out in the lobby and I see Chris. And I was like, Chris, what's up? He goes, nobody's going to see this movie. And I was like, no, because it was too crazy. I just thought, America's not ready. We used to joke with Jim. I said, look, man, if I won the lottery, I wanted to give Jim $5 million just to do his movie. He used to do this thing called Colon Man. He talked with his ass? No, he would whip out, you know, his three... 25 feet of colon and he would lasso people and suck them in his ass and that's how you know this is the kind of shit we would do this is the kind of shit we we're we're comedians we just do dude i was crying i was like jim please please i'm gonna give you some money i want you to do colon man he was like yeah so we would just be messing around making each other laugh but what i'm saying is i didn't think I just thought, you know, in a couple of years, people forget about the show. I go Man, back listen. to, you know, I do what I really want to do, which is I want to do like a sitcom like The Black Seinfeld, you know. And I just, that's where my head was at. I did not see the legacy of In Living Color. And I'll tell you who did was Jim Carrey. I mean, from the very beginning, we'd be sitting in the dressing room. We said, Man, this is history. This is his. I was like, man, please. This is like for really. You, you didn't. I see didn't that? No, because I just didn't. I just did not see, like. Uh, you didn't read your own press and. You guys were in Time Magazine. And, I know, and, but I didn't. Man, my son's watching Living Color. Like, yeah, but I also didn't. I'm gonna put it like this. What I did, I remember I did this play, and they had the men's dressing room, the women's dressing room. At this point, you know, this is like 2006, so everybody had their laptop all laid up and all these dudes 
had catalog their favorite in living color sketches they could press a button dial it in you know that technology wasn't there when we did in living color in 91 to 94 i didn't anticipate that longevity as i toured the country i started performing for guys who were kids say 10 or 11 or 12 who snuck and watched the show now they're teenagers (laughs) you know what i mean now they're teenagers and from there the people who saw the next generation under them who saw it on BET or whatever, you know, on, I forget what. It's, it's on a bunch of channels. Now. Yeah, there was yeah. a point where it was on every day. I mean, it was somewhere. Oh, it is so, on every day. Right. I mean, I just, I didn't see all that. I didn't see YouTube. Come on, man. I didn't see all that. Man, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to ask, was, was Boomerang, I felt like Boomerang was closer to In Living Color than that. It was well, Boomerang was during In Living okay. Color. Okay. And what I didn't know is, so I get Boomerang. And Keenan said, go ahead and do it. And I figured he, I was cleared by Fox. But uh, Keenan never told Fox. What? He just mm-hmm. told me, he went to the Hudlin brothers and he said, make sure you have David back on tape day. So Was that the makeup for the Robert Townsend joke? No, but I'm talking uh-huh. about, you talk about That's doing someone a solid. Right, that's what I mean. Like, putting that's himself dope. out there. And I didn't find out till many years later. I was like, what? And he goes, yeah. What was that scene, dude, the the table scene with John Witherspoon? Oh, man. Well, here's what happened. Here's what happened. We were doing doing the scene, and I'm sitting there, and I go, what is the most embarrassing thing that could happen? (laughs) Your parents fucking in the bathroom. So we're at the table, (laughs) and I'm sitting next to Eddie. So I, I, I whispered to Eddie, and Eddie fell out laughing. So I see him get up and go around, because we were shooting in this big loft. He goes around and he tells Warrington, who is a producer, and it's all in pantomime. I see Warrington just fall out laughing. (laughs) He goes and tells Reggie, the director, who's on the other side behind the monitor. He falls out laughing. So at the very end of the day, um, Eddie says, we're going to film it. So every time we tried to do the scene, you know, where where John and them come out and Eddie's (laughs) looking at me, Eddie never kept a straight face. So I I always thought, well, we can't use it because we didn't get a good take. So that's why I went away from it. Um, The brilliance of Eddie Murphy, again, is that he allowed that in the moment we got to put this on film. And it was became one of the funniest. You know, my character was was just the best friend. Yeah. You know, when I read the script, I, I kind of was like, well, I'm in an Eddie Murphy movie, but You're not what the fuck am I doing? Funny. But the brilliant thing is we rehearsed for three weeks. and Rehearsed? Well, we actually improvised. It was controlled improvisation. So all of, like, the scenes with me, Martin, and Eddie mostly, like, uh, we... We improved it, you know, so so uh, Reggie would go, look, you know, you guys are working out. Just go. And we would start improvising. There was, there was a guy, doing with the. Well, there was a woman there <laughs> taking notes. And, and when I say guided, he would go, OK, stop. Stay in that area. Stay in that uh, area. Okay. So he would guide it. All, all the best bits, they wrote them down. And that's how the script was rewritten. That's how it really became. Hours. So those are handicap sign on his balls. <laughs> so those All are. are... <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's yeah. Just... yeah. That's funny. That's funny. That's funny. I mean, that was guided. Wow. So okay. so yeah. So that was rehearsed. Well, it was. I'm thinking like rehearsed is like a table read, and then no, you just go there and no, we would shoot it. Eddie was living Eddie life. Like he was in Washington. Then they would fly us to Washington. I think it was for I don't know something. 
You know, he was just there hanging out in D.C. And we hung out at the Four Seasons for a few days and we rehearsed there. Um, there was improvis improvisation that happened on the set, but it was already formed and for us to succeed. And also what that did, I didn't know Eddie at all. I kind of knew Martin. You know, like I said, me and him were boys. But it, it bonded us because we were supposed to be best friends. Yeah. So it was really, that's the only time I've ever done that on a film. And I think that's the only time I heard Eddie did it, worked like that. But that's what made that film so good. So not, that's not standard, right? To I'm telling you, I've been acting for 35 years. I've never had a month-long rehearsal period before we start filming. But what if something was so magical and there was no camera to capture it? Just... It was lost. I mean, because no. I don't, as I remember. Were there, things, were there things that happened in rehearsal that was like, damn, that shit is, yeah, you know, we'll, mean, never, we'll never get that magic again. You, no got, you got the good shit. Trust me. Okay, <laughs> I'll give you one thing that happened. When I left the loft, you know, after my parents fucked. Right. We did an improv all the way down the stairs, all the way out in the street. So they said cut, but me and John, we kept going, how could you do this? Say, man, fuck you. I'm trying to do my thing. I was like, man, what, daddy? Why? And we kept going. We kept going. All that was lost, but we were so uh, in it. It was so much fun because it was with mom. Mom, mom, this, why could you do You know, we kept going back and forth. And, you know, so that kind of stuff was lost, okay. but it just, but it, we, I don't, you know, we, they didn't videotape it. Okay. They may have recorded it, but I don't think so. I just. So in contrast with the Halle Berry scenes, that was completely like off on, on book. No, that, because I'll tell you what, because like, I'll give you an example. When Halle Berry goes, when Halle goes, that was me. That was the improv I did. Yeah. But it didn't make sense that I would do that, you know, in the kind of the scene. So I gave that to her. But okay. we just, and that was in the moment. That was in the moment. So, so they encouraged that. You know? How did the shooting go on Martin? <laughs> Reverend Leon uh, the Holy Ghost done told me <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he let me go he just let me go but me and Martin I, I love Martin man I, I met him like from way back you know and Martin was always Martin like he told me from way back when this like white lady owned the club she's like sit down you can't do what you're doing it's foul you know, you can't be talking like that. Martin was always like, this is what I'm going to do. Fuck it, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah. So when Martin did his show, uh, he brought me on. And it, the only thing I remember, there's a guy named John Bowman who used okay. to be on In Living Color. Then he went over and was working with Martin. And I just said, I want to play a preacher. I just want to play a bootleg <laughs> preacher. Said, okay. Because they, they were saying, we want you to come on. Martin wants you to come on. What do you want to play? And I said, wow, well, okay. let me play a preacher. And from there, it just. No, and I did it a bunch of times. That's one of my listen. favorite characters of yours. Dude, the, yeah. the, and the way the, he scooped back, the scoop that we went back. <laughs> and then we got like, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Don't let the devil hear you. <laughs> He's here. It's a spare, evil spirit in there. So that's where it's about. Get your Bibles. Uh, <laughs> man, tell us about Blank Man. Dude. Oh, man. Yo. Yo. Damon. Oh. Oh, you know, here's, here's a story. 
Wait, wait, oh. let, before you start, when everybody was out watching Black Panther, when that came out, I was at home watching Blank Man. So. <laughs> you're the only one. Right? You're the only one because I saw Black Panther on a film going to England. I was like, <laughs> I was crying. I did not want to jump the the the. the Black Panther. <laughs> you still haven't seen that it? Angela. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen what it. Yet. What? Like, you are out of the club until you come Boy, on. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a Marvel person. So. Oh my God. This is a for real black nerd. <laughs> like, I'm not a Marvel person. <laughs> like it matters. Like, you want me to like, do just all like, clothes at the orgy? Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't like open-toed shoes. You guys go ahead. <laughs> what? <laughs> but wait, man, yeah. Black Panther. That's not true. <laughs> wait, wait, I went, I went to the movies with this girl, and this is when the first uh, weekend at Black Panther opened. I saw this one brother. It was uh, at the what was it at the ArcLight? Yeah, oh. and he had his dashiki on, but it was too small. <laughs> and he was waiting around, and he got stood up, and they were like, "Sir, the movie's starting." And he was oh. like, "I didn't want to be that dude," so I was like, "I'm gonna wait." <laughs> Till people stop dressing up, then I can just go see it. Yeah, Mark Light yeah. was turned up. Everybody Let was. Let me tell you something. In the wrong Black Panthers, a lot of you know, Cali, they get it wrong. It was a lot of leather jackets yeah, and berets. Well, we try, we yeah. try. But no, Black Panther was beautiful, man. I love the shit. I'll see so, it eventually. Yeah, Come on. So, Angela. So, so Black Angela Man, like, what yeah. were y'all? What was that like? like you and uh, Damon doing? Well, Damon that? told me he was doing this thing. You know, again, we were on the Living Color, and uh, he said, you know, I want you to do this. I said, cool, man, let's do it. Um, Robin Givens, I don't think I had met her. Everybody heard about her. You know, I'm, yeah. she was just that girl. Um, you didn't meet her on the set of Boomerang either? They didn't do any. Yeah, I don't think they had any scenes they together. Didn't have any scenes together. No, I met her. Well, I met her. Oh, no, at, yeah. the, at the Strange party. Yeah. Ah, I met her. Yeah, I met her. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we. I knew her okay. as a, a friend, you know, like that and, and loved her. She's cool. Um, we just did it. I mean, it was great. It was a beautiful thing. And, um, uh, but I, I, you know, when we were doing Blank Man, like, I don't know if Meteor Man came out first. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But I know they're kind of competing. But, you know, back then there were two things. There were a couple uh, scenarios for black comedians, performers. Wouldn't it be great if there were a black superhero? Mm -hmm. Every black comedian talked about the possibility of a black president. That was in everybody's. We all did. We all talked. We all had some riff on that. You know, those kinds of things. And to live and see all this shit, that's what makes it amazing. But uh, I never got to meet Obama, because I always wanted to meet him in the White House, but I didn't want to have to, like, donate money. I just wanted to be like, <laughs> no, I wanted it to be organic. Right, I wanted right, it to right. be like, David, um, this is Barack, and Michelle and I'd like you to come to the house, you know, like that. <laughs> I know you, you met him, right? Yeah, you met him. Right? Few you know. times. It's okay. But then yeah. at the end, when it was like they started throwing parties, and it was like DJ Scribble, you know, Bowie <laughs> <laughs> and them. Everybody was. I was like, man, fuck yeah. it. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I met Michelle. I met Michelle. Oh, you didn't meet Michelle. Yeah. Oh. I'll, I'll meet him eventually. But I did want to meet him while he was in office. You know, Same. up in there. Trust me, he's still present. Yeah. Pretty Dude, much. He's still black I American president. No. Would you ever do a, a, a or have you done a special? Yeah, I did one. I okay. did a stand-up special a while ago. Um, would I do another one? It's a Netflix world, so yeah. It's beyond money. that now. I mean, Gerard just directed a, oh, a, yeah. a yeah, special where there's no laughter. I'm like, that's yeah. like HBO. a third one. It's HBO, special? right? No, he directed this white dude where there is no audience. Yeah. It's just him Yo. talking. 
to the king. I didn't understand what it was, but I saw his name and I saw a Yeah, he directed it. Like I said, okay, now y'all are giving lectures. No audience. I was like, call me old school. Tell us about Chocolate News and like. Well, Chocolate News, you know, this was happening after the Chappelle show. Everybody, I heard everybody was pitching to Comedy Central. They wanted to be the next Chappelle. So I just looked at that. And and from what I heard was all of the next Chappelle stuff was a trap. Nobody could be the next Dave Chappelle. So I avoided that. And then it was the like I wanted to do like the Black Daily Show kind of, but in a in a sketch scenario, meaning everything was written. It wasn't based on real news. It was all fake. So I just, you went in there and I talked to them and used the template of real sports. Because if you mentioned Chappelle, they'd be like, no, we've done that. It's always failed. Oh, I want to do the Daily. As soon as you say the Daily Show, that's John Stewart's territory. You got to go through him. No, we won't do that. So I purposely never said that. And they were like, wow, okay. So they bought it. And <clears throat> I was only on for one year or yeah. one season. It was 10 episodes. But that's the purest me unfiltered from my own hand written performed that you're going to get. So I just, uh, I just did everything I wanted to do. I mean, they gave me pretty much free reign. Yeah. Probably the one idea we wanted to do a Kwanzaa special and they right. said, no, and we wanted to do the origin story of Kwanzaa, but in claymation. <laughs> My people, there's a whole, we don't get it. So they wouldn't let us do that. <laughs> oh, uh, short of that, uh, I did everything I wanted to do, man. They just, they let it go. So that was cool, even if it was just one Yeah, year. I think uh, a couple, we have uh, our homies, Um, was it, I think Diallo, was he around? Yeah, the show? Diallo Bashir. And, and Bashir. And Bashir. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. their first job. Yeah, what were yeah. they like back then working with them? Man? They were hungry, man. I mean, I, I dug them because they were intelligent and just smart. I mean, I was in there every day uh, writing with the writers, and I just wanted people who were as excited as me to be there. I mean, what I didn't want is, you know, like as a musician, you know that shit. You want people that are, have a passion for your project, okay? There's a, There's a lot of really great musicians or great artists, but you know, if you're not down with what I'm doing, that's good. I, it's not gonna help me, you know what I mean? So, so I was just trying to find people that were hungry and saw the vision, and we did, we had fun, man. I remember we were talking about, I talked about the other day, I was talking to Facts, when we were planning the inauguration festivities and Lunell came in. Oh, and man. I had been watching, binge watching my Super 16, you know, because that was really popular. Yeah. So we just did the ghetto version. It was like, she was the party planner for the, <laughs> like, it's going to be real classy. <laughs> Barack is going to be carried in on a throne. <laughs> and Michelle will be his lady in waiting. <laughs> so we just plotted out like it's a super sweet 16. So it was funny. I mean, it was really fun. I mean, it was fun to plan all that stuff. It was exhausting. Yeah. At the end, I was just whoa the fuck out. But that, oh. that the, the night that Barack Obama was elected, I went and I was to host the Democratic election party in Century City. So by the time I got there, after working at the studio, it was like 7 o'clock. And the party was almost, it was at capacity, okay? The police were going to shut it down. So I go on stage, and I'm watching as it's official. You know, it says, like, Barack Obama's a president. And I remember standing there, because I wanted to make sure. 
Right. So I, I kept watching. I kept yeah. watching. Dude, the emotion that night, yeah. I remember this white lady fell out on the stage. Her dress just went over her head, just crying. This grown-ass photographer who was on yeah. stage, he's just weeping. And I started crying. I started, you know, my grandmother was born in 1900. And I was like, oh, my God, if my grandmother could see this, you know. And I remember as a kid listening to all these stories. I could tell you stories, man. My aunt, my aunt Ethel in Alabama, she was traveling to see her friend on a Trailways bus. And they didn't have enough seats for the white folks. And the bus driver, she said they're in the middle of the country. He said, look. Nigga, you can either get off the bus or you get under the bus and ride with the baggage. And she Mm -hmm. said, you know, she had her best dress on, her hair was all done, and because she was going to see her friend, she got under that bus and she had to ride the rest of the way under the bus with the baggage. And she said, when they got to where she was going, they left her there. And she said, she's free because she had claustrophobia and she's banging. And she said, but you know, as a little child, when she told me this, we would laugh because she told it and laughed. She said, oh, my hair was all messed up. I was all sweaty. My dress was all messed We would laugh and I would tell her. But as I grew older and uh, she would retell that story because I would make her and it was no longer funny. And, and I realized all that. I thought about all that stuff. Uh, man. And this is where we're at. You know, this is, this, this is what I'm witnessing. That's how big that moment was. That, that was for, for not just me, this is my point of view, but for everybody in this room, man, come on. And now I can't even do it. Yeah. But you (laughs) know what? Let me tell you something. Even when people to this day, when they go, you know, well, Barack didn't do enough for black people. I'm like, didn't do a, do you know what he was going through? They really? did everything but call him a nigga. He, every he, he day. He this what we're going he through lived. now. Every, every, day. every day. Every day. They cock blocked everything he wanted to do. Said it loud and proud. We ain't supporting shit. Now Fuck what? Fuck you. Yeah. This is it. So I'm not for it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You know, and, and you see what's happening? Anything but a nigga. Yeah. <laughs> anything they got you the got opposite. the village idiot they got the opposite yeah man opposite. so i'm just I, you we talking politics i don't know what's gonna happen i really don't i, I want to know like were you guys fine with the carmichael show just being three seasons no it was such a revolution to me i show. thought it was just finding this y'all stride but but, man. but no 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 so no man listen first of all it wasn't even a season because, you know, we came on around with Blackish. I think we did about 30 episodes mm-hmm. and they had done like 60, 70 because, you know, they would pick the Carmichaels up for like six shows, 10 shows. Yes, yeah. And, you know, when we got there, you know, after we were on the air and I'd signed the contract there, you know, uh, Jeff Greenblatt, Robert Bob Greenblatt, rather, um, the head of NBC, was going, well, we want to do this like a specialty show. I didn't know nothing about that. They didn't tell me when I auditioned, we may only pick you up for six episodes, ten episodes, have you locked down for five years, because that's the contract. You know, I thought we were doing a regular show, Uh, you know, 20 episodes a season. We never got that. They only put us on in the summer. That's the summer dump. We were never on the fall schedule, you know. So but the the flip side is uh, you trade that with Gerard got to do the show he wanted to do. So I would rather do 30 good episodes 
than 70 bullshit episodes. So that is it. But no, we were never down with that. I was, no, we always, and I can speak for Gerard on this, we all wanted to be not the stepchild, but the child. You know, put us on in the fall. Give us a full order. You know, but to, were they too afraid to say that we were afraid of the show and what it? No, really they means? yes, they were because they were like you know. Because on surface they seemed like hey, we support it, but you could not go back and read what the of. critics said. There, there's no other show at that at the network that was getting the criticism. The critics fucking loved us. No, they would say you're hard to program around. You know that's you know the shit they always <laughs> tell you. They always tell you you're unique. You're, um, you're unique. Well, you're an acquired taste. You know, we got all that bullshit. I was just like, man, I love, I love that show. Yeah, I so really like like this the episode where the mom kills herself. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was gonna bring that one up, dude. Yeah. Like that shit was. I mean, that's never been done on television. You should have been there, man. Black folks in the audience. I didn't mean to cut you off, but we no, got man. to it like that part, and I was like telling Gerard, you know, my character. Yeah, your grandma wants to kill herself. In the audience, I'm like, don't no. do it. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, no. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, me and Gerard, we were like trying not to. Oh, there's a good Black time folks. audience yeah. out first. <laughs> well, not good time. These were Christian people. First uh, of all, just been like in good times in the audience, like they would have those outbursts. Mm-hmm. You hear them in the audience. <laughs> Quest? Quest, get your drums. You know, they were just like, oh yeah, they were, they were, they were like, ooh, no. So wait, then the Bill Cosby episode. Oh yeah. Because that was, I mean, not for nothing. That was, it was brave. It was. It was on NBC. Yeah. It was on NBC. <laughs> it was right. on NBC. It gave you both. It was perfection, to be honest. I did, you know, a lot of times it, it was an experiment. Like when I say that, like. We would read the stuff, but frankly, I didn't know how we were going to do it until we actually did it. Like that, you know, you know, this was from Gerard's mind. I don't, I didn't know, I, you know, how are we going to get out of this? You know, and people get it confused. I mean, you know, my character voted for Trump. I mean, and, you know, the whole thing about Bill Cosby and stuff. These are characters. It's not me. These are characters. But uh, how are we going to get out of it? You know, that until that very last thing, you know, that last line when Gerard goes, it's a shame what he did to those women. It was fun to play with that. But But what became exhausting is... For white journalists, that's all they wanted to talk about, you know, because it's it's I call it the the nigga litmus test, you know. Quest, what do you think about um, Kanye? (laughs) (laughs) Love all your albums. Can we talk more about Kanye? You know, it's like they, you know, it's like okay, you know. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, can I say that when when I found out that you were playing opposite, this is a person who didn't see Black Panther. Go ahead. Yes. Your card has been confiscated, bro. Revoked. <laughs> oh, I want to say that when I found out that you were playing opposite Loretta Divine, I was like, I'm in. I'm in. Whoa. That was just perfect casting. Yeah. Like she I wanted to see I wanted to see the way you two played against each other and I you guys did it. not disappoint. Well, Sexy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the parents, you know they were still getting it in. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. when I auditioned, you know, I met Gerard and Rel. I, I met Rel on like Twitter. And, you know, we go back and forth and say, yeah, I'm a big fan. I hope we get to work together. I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. So then I I saw Gerard, and I was hosting this um, evening of stand-up as part of the Montreal uh, Comedy Festival. It was in 2010, I think. And if you've ever seen Gerard's comedy, well, immediately he has an original voice. He's yeah. different from everybody else. So I always dug him as a comedian. 
And so that that year when I heard he was doing a show, I was like, yeah, let me do this. So I went in and I saw Loretta coming out of the building. I was like, hey, what's up, Loretta? What's going on? We've known each other for over 30 years. And she said, oh, they like you, David. They probably like you. All right, good luck. Bye. It's good seeing you, baby. All right, then. Oh, man. So I went in there and uh, it was just butter, man. You know, Did I, you do any kind of, I don't know, like research or whatever? Because me and Gerard grew up probably like 30 minutes. He grew up in mm-hmm. Winston-Salem. I grew up in Greensboro. And I'm telling you, man, your character, the way you play, like, dude, that's like my uncles. That was my like family, my too, though. The thing oh, yeah. I loved about lo- loved about the Carmichaels, it, it was very much any real black family. Yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. got a hand, they say. Yeah. yeah. Like they could have been talking <laughs> about the um Canadian trade agreement. Everybody's gonna have their say. <laughs> Most of the people didn't read, they didn't right, know what right. the fuck it was it about. Had to be informed, but... <laughs> they gonna say what they're gonna say. So yeah, I like that. I mean, I I really I, I knew that character. I knew that black man. You understand? Yeah. Uh, his kingdom was that Barker lounger and that <laughs> changer, and that was about it. it but he ruled it right there. So yeah, yeah, man. I I I really felt like, also, I felt like I had earned the right to play it in terms of age and experience, and just I didn't really have to act. I mean, I knew that. And the thing I loved about the Carmichaels is. From comedy to tears. I mean, I feel like out of all the roles I've done, that encompassed everything. I mean, I was able to go, you know, places emotionally. Yeah, the scene where the the episode where he has to confess to the wife that he had a kid, like before they got married. (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you this. Every every scene, like with the porno episode, I would take you out. I go like, look, man, come on. And Gerard would go, oh, actually, David. I did find my parents' porno stash. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then when he said, you know, with the kid, he said this happened in his family. So after that, I just stopped questioning him. I mean, whatever the script was, Gerard would be like, hey, man, I'm trying to tell you. And his parents, everybody, his family would come and hang out and watch. Uh, Yeah, I really felt blessed, man. I remember, I'll tell you a good story. So Tiffany, I saw the trailer for a uh, uh, girl's trip. I had not seen the movie, just saw the trailer in the theater, and I came back. Tiffany was begging me at that point, David, can I open for you? I was like, can you wait like a month? I'm gonna be opening for you. She was like, yeah, but I wanna do, I was like, Tiffany, do you realize about what happen? is about to happen? Well, I don't know. I was like, you have to listen to me. And everything, it was right there, man, please. Her shit blew all the all fuck the way. Yeah. the way up. And it was, again, she was ready. I mean, all the crazy stories that you hear her say, I heard that shit every day. And she has a, <laughs> she has a cure for cancer. She has a cure. Tiffany Haddish has a cure for cancer. I'm not bullshitting you, man. Can you share? I don't. I went to at that point. I would just go to my dressing room. (laughs) (laughs) Why David disappear? I was like Tiffany. I just gotta go lay down. Are you? Are you allowed to talk about what your character on Little Rail shows is going to be? I'm not on Little Rail show. 
I'm on the cool kids, but somehow online they think I'm in his show, but I'm not. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I did see something. You're advertised and everything. I thought Cool Kids was the movie. It's it's an actual show with Vicky Lawrence. Cool Kids is my show that I'm doing with Vicky Lawrence and Martin Mull and Vicky Lawrence from Carol Burnett. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, my family. And and the last person. Who else? It's the fourth. Leslie Jordan. Yes. He's like a four foot. He's the gayest man I've ever met. (laughs) (laughs) All in a a senior citizen uh, facility but I saw this thing on Instagram where I don't I I think someone had to put that together honestly because it's not a so show the root was advertising yeah think it's so. not the show and, P, and again just go to the comments I'm in <laughs> <laughs> the trifecta oh this is the superstars <laughs> I didn't have the heart because you know to you know in the comments they don't they don't care. No, accuracy doesn't care. No, no they don't they care. Don't. They were like going all. I mean, you know, them people. They got an alternate universe. <laughs> oh, oh, I see what's going on. They trying to keep it on the double down low. They to, to make us a super surprise. You know, so I didn't even get involved. But no, <laughs> oh, I man, saw. I was looking forward to like yeah. you, Sinbad, and no. I mean, I'm looking yeah, forward yeah. to Vicky Lawrence because I ain't seen her in a Vicky Vindage. Lawrence. She's, she's cool, hey, mama. Man. She's putting it down. But that's my show. I'm doing Cool Kids on Fox. Rel is on Fox. Okay, and exactly. as a matter of fact. We're right next door to each other, our sound stage. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But wait, before I go, we got to talk music. Okay. Yes. I need to tell you about... Wait, we didn't even talk Wiz. Oh, the Wiz. Anyway. We could talk about... Are we out of time? 
We did. He did the Wiz and he did the Christmas story, right? No, the Wiz was the one. The Wiz was the one, man. Thank you for saying that. I just wanted to be fair. I mean, again. Okay, when me and Reggie Cathy, we we drove with a bunch of friends across country to come to New York for the first time during spring break mm. and we to go see some Broadway shows and we went to see the Wiz. We bought we were second to the last row Majestic Theater, $6 tickets, half price. And after the matinee, I went in with my 8x10 to the stage door, and I, I wanted to give him my, 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 my picture. And the, <laughs> the door guy goes, you want to what? I said, I want to be on Broadway. He busted out laughing. <laughs> so he, he got on the PA. He said, hey, man, come up in here, please. Any, any, any cast. They came up. Tell him what you just told me. And I was like, I'm, oh, a, I'm an actor. I'm from, you know, I'm from Michigan, and here's my... Eight by ten, I want to be on Broadway. They, they laughed in my face. Wow! And I was like, "Can I leave? Yeah, leave it." <laughs> oh, they clowned oh, me so yeah. hard. They probably put it up. Yeah, the last well, they, I know, but they clown me. So I'm telling you. So to do the Wiz, I mean, and I had done this crazy version of the Wiz. Des Mackinoff directed it at the La Jolla Playhouse, okay. and I was in it. Nikki James. Titus, uh, oh, Titus, wow. Titus from uh, Titus Burgess. Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Kimmy Schmidt. Okay. First of all, you all don't even know Titus has the voice. Of oh, I, God. I believe we know. It. I believe. So I've seen he it. did He's the lion, and they raised the keys. I mean, he oh, would wow. do. He would do just crazy stuff. So he was in it, and Michael Benjamin Washington. Michael Washington. Michael Benjamin. He's gonna kill me, but whatever. Anyway, so. Uh, that never made it. That never made it to Broadway. Uh, I knew Kenny Leon. And when it was announced, I texted Kenny. I said, hey, man, I want to do The Wiz. And I played The Wiz in this production at some point I was trying to make. And Kenny kind of hit me back. He's like, hey, man, I don't even know what I'm doing. I mean, let me just hit you when I, you know, when I meet with the network and figure out what we're going to do. So I was performing at Caroline's uh, a few like a couple weeks later, he came with his assistant, but I was pushing the whiz because that's what I played before. I figured, you know, from the movie, that's kind of like Richard Pryor did it. So yeah. maybe I could get in here. And he goes, so what other character, what character do you want to play? I said the whiz. And he goes, okay, anything else? I mean, would you do another part? And I'm like, inside, I'm like, shit. <laughs> yeah, sure. I just want to be a part of it. <laughs> so he said, what about the lion? I was like, oh, fuck. I said, yeah. <laughs> so from there, you thought he was going to give you uncle. Uh, yeah, uncle. <laughs> you, you know, you know, but but uh, the whiz was the stuff. So long story short, we do this thing, and Kenny uh, uh, all along was like <laughs> the way he directs. Us, now listen, motherfuckers, <laughs> y'all got one shot. Yeah, live one TV. shot. Yeah, yeah. You ain't gonna fuck this up. Mm. You know, he kept going and kept going, and um, so I turned my phone off. And I could feel it. You know, people online, black folks were like, you know, they better not fuck this up. Yeah, we was. Yeah. And it got real hot. So I was like, damn, well, let me just do my little lines. So I went to my trailer. They gave us these big ass buses. After it was all done, um, it was good. I mean, you guys got the best version. Yes. Okay? Oh, okay. So I turned my phone on and I was not expecting the response. I got emails, I got texts messages, letters. I mean, from people I hadn't heard from in 20 years. A lot of them would start, David, is this still your email? Wow. Um, Black women. And they were saying, I'm I'm sitting on my bed with my daughter. 
I'm uh, watching with my nieces and nephews. I'm crying. I'm dancing. It was just such a flood of love because I was like, I'm sure we're going to get some bullshit. No, it was so but good. No, it was the response was so great, was so amazing that that's what was humbling about it. It was really great. It was such a, a great experience, man, to be involved in that. I brought it back. Yeah. Should we? That should always be a part of a black child's life. Yeah. Like it they was, should always know about the world. It was such a joy to watch that. I'll tell you real but quick because I know Black I'm talking. Panther, no, he didn't, man. You you counterfeit, man. Stop. <laughs> wait, my daughter's ten, so when the wish she was about seven, and her mom showed her the movie first. Oh God, so, she was scared. Well, so no, when I came, when Lulu came to visit me, I showed her the Wizard of Oz. So she was about five then and she kept looking at it she saw it like seven times in one weekend because for me we only got to see it once a year so right, i had the right. dvd i was like you can watch this shit all day so she would get up and watch it she's going daddy i think they they took this from michael jackson's movie i said you think so yeah because you know kids at that age whatever they see first is first, the one that came first yeah. i said but you know this is an older movie and she goes mm-hmm <laughs> Michael Jackson did this movie because it's real similar, don't you think? And I was like, yeah. I was her vibe. She was like going, I said, which one do you like? She goes, I think I like the Michael Jackson one better. We yeah, all yeah. did. So it, was, so it was fun. It was fun. But people didn't know that we did the Broadway version. We'd never had the rights to the film because that was a whole different thing. That was a whole different money. And it was beautiful, man. It was a beautiful experience. It was really fun. I've never done anything where you do one performance. You know, we rehearsed for two months. Man. Yeah, man. Then you did it again. But that lion outfit, the lion outfit, it was, oh my God, this thing. When we started, when we did our our, our text, the dancers were like, there's there's water on the stage. You know, this is at the very end. This is after, uh, uh, what's it, Eveline comes in and it's, you know, everybody rejoice. And finally I put my hand up. I said, that's me sweating. And everybody's, oh, David, he's so crazy. That lion outfit, because it was TV, it had no ventilation. So by the time I got to that point, all the water, my sweat would puddled in my hands, in my feet, and it just started dripping out. And it would be on the stage and they were slipping. Oh, on brand new day. <sighs> yeah, it was it was wild. It was, we 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 survived. We survived one. Wow. Yeah. But wait, quick, can I give music. you my music yeah. shit? Yeah. yeah, man. Okay, now these are the greatest concerts I went to. Yes. In 1972, I saw the Rolling Stones in Cobo Hall in Detroit. The opening act was Stevie Wonder. Now, 72, this is Intervisions. This is when Stevie had changed. Mm-hmm. His background singers were Martha and the Vandellas. Oh, what? wow. So, dude, they rocked the house. The Stones come on, they played, and then they brought the entire Motown band, Stevie Wonder, Martha and the Vandellas, and they all did Uptight. Right. Yeah, they did Uptight and something else. I can't get no satisfaction. Satisfaction. Oh, right. satisfaction. It was just, that was probably probably one of the greatest concerts. Of course, I saw the Motown Review as a kid. And back in the day, you go, they had an early show where they'd show the movie. Then the band would be behind the screen and they pull the screen up and then you do the Motown Review. So I, I remember that. What were they, okay, I'm glad you, you're mm-hmm. eyewitness to this because I always wanted to know because they would do at the Apollo like five of those a day. Mm-hmm. And people tell me like, you know, you go there, what 
they would show a cartoon first, then a movie, then a comedian, then. Well, as I remember, they they showed the movie, and this was early because we were kids, and it was winter time, so we went, and Willie Tyler and Lester were there. Oh mm-hmm. wow! And then they had what was the name of this group? It was you know. They did, it was an all-white group, and they did Cloud Nine. Oh, well, Rare Earth. Rare Earth. Rare yeah. Earth. Um, Willie Tyron and Lester were really big. But, you know, Stevie Wonder played. The Supremes were gone by then. Mm-hmm. So this has got to be Temptation. 66. Okay. 60, probably 1966, because after the riot, everything was fucked up. So I'm pretty sure it's probably 66. Were um, you there in Detroit for those riots? Of course. As a matter of fact, the movie Detroit, that's five blocks from my house. That's five blocks from my house. And so to watch that movie and that Algiers Motel, we used to drive past there all the time. Um, That movie, it's just, no. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. It's like a snuff film. It was so big. It was so much bigger. That city never recovered. It never, ever, Detroit never came back. It was so much bigger. Um, it was funny. I, I, to, I talked to Eric Dyson about Detroit. He loved it. I didn't just because. Most black people, okay, I worked on the film. I, yeah. Scoring. But I, most black people I know told me that it was hard for them to watch it because it literally was a snuff film. Yeah. And, you know, it was in 2016. When we were watching actual snuff films yeah. on fucking Twitter and Facebook, Instagram and I'm shit. I'm just yeah. telling you, man, it was it was much bigger than that movie. I mean, you know, the acting was awesome. I like the well, director's Well, she told me that work. she just wanted to tell one story. And, you know, the story of the dramatics really just... Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Uh, there's a website that I found that someone put up. And this person researched as much as they could each fatality that happened during the riot. And so they tried to do a background of the person and how they actually were killed. It's really creepy and spooky and weird. Um, There is a film there. Uh, uh, It's just also, that's like the movie Ali, you know, living through Ali, the real person as a kid mm-hmm. to see it fictionalized i was too close to that material so that that's what i'm saying being right. born and raised in detroit a few blocks from the i'm just too close to get some distance and really talk about it but we're just starting to experience that now generation like people said that but like biggie movies and tupac movies yeah it's when like they make well, the tupac bobby brown new edition movies <laughs> yeah. well, tupac used to hang out at the uh, at, uh, at at the set when we did in living color yeah, one time back. I wake up. His beatdown was uh, yep. with the limit driver. Well, dig. So the story was when I woke up, I see all these policemen, you know, and I'm, I've been sleeping in my dressing room. I'm like, they, they got to fucking corral these extras, man. They're all over the place. <laughs> and they were real policemen. So Tupac was there. And the story was he claimed that the limo driver had a gun. Now, the limo driver called the police. This is a story I, I heard. Right. And they, they claimed Tupac had the gun, gun. So they came and they took Tupac. But the next day, they found a gun in the bushes. Like, Tupac wasn't lying. Man. Motherfucker had a gun. Man. That was re- a regular day. That was a regular day of living color, man. Tupac was little, too. He was a little guy. 
physically. Uh-huh. All that voice, all that shit, man. It was deep, man. Anyways, that's about it. I'll tell you one last um, yes. music story. The craziest okay. lineup. I saw Santana, Leonard Skinner, oh, wow. and Bobby Womack. What? <laughs> it was Wait, all in the what? same bill. It was Bobby Womack first, and it was Santana was headlining. Leonard Skinner came on second, and they gave us the finger and spit on at the crowd, you know, because it was like yeah. people weren't there to see them. And it was during Caravan Sarai. So this is after Santana had gotten knowledge, you know. Right, right. Uh, Coltrane and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But uh, that, you know, as a kid, because that's all we did is go to concerts. For me, that's I wasn't into sports. All we did is get high and go to concerts. Yes. You know? Do you miss that feeling now? Like, um... What what? Well, I miss. Do you being... attend now? That's still exciting. I've, maybe basketball is exciting, like to see yeah. LeBron. I mean, someone genuine performing their craft. I would go see Moses Sumney. Okay. Yeah, he's a cat I really like. I like him. But to get me out the house to see music, it's been a while. I I went to see Charles Lloyd one time with my girlfriend here in L.A. and it was back in the '90s when he did, you know, notes from Big Sur and mm-hmm. stuff. And he's playing, and listen to me, man. It was so deep. It's like he levitated from the stage. He was hovering in space. He took me there, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, this is killing me. So I get in the car, and I'm driving home, and I ask my girlfriend, I go, if I tell you something, will you promise not to laugh? She goes, yeah, what's up? Okay, I was listening to Charles Lloyd. And all of a sudden, he just was floating in space right in front of me. It was like we weren't even in that. I think it was the Catalina Bar and Grill. We weren't even in that space. We were just in the universe. And she went, yeah, I saw that too. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm talking about, man. Take me out. It was like so amazing. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, I want to be taken away. And that's sober, right? Yeah. (laughs) Now, it sounds crazy. I'm not. I'm just... Do you can somebody in here? No, back no, me? I you get know you. The deal. I just wanted come to make sure yeah. when you get in the zone. Come on now, you gonna back me up or no? There's, <laughs> I don't know. There's some moment. I mean, you know, it's it's just far and few between. Now. Of course. I mean, there's some rock shows. I mean, like I still, when I see Radiohead, I, yeah. I'm still, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I still feel that way. But it's like you really gotta widen your palate. But I mean, just for the days where like, it's weird. Like watching Bilal. Mm-hmm. Like I have to play with Bilal in order to get. That joy. So sometimes I have an out of body experience when he has a good night in improv- right. improvising. It's rare. This was that I feel over ten years ago. I mean, yeah, I had great experiences. I saw David Bowie, the Ziggy Stardust tour that changed everything. I mean, I was like sixteen. I never seen no shit like that. I was like, damn, you know what the fuck is this? Um, Prince. I I met Prince, mm-hmm. but I could. It was too much. We're yeah. actually in the studio with Prince recording. Oh, yeah, yeah. we should. We gotta, yeah. I forgot to note <laughs> yeah. that we are literally, and we finally, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to Studio 3. Yeah. Wow. As many times sound. we tried, this is Studio 3 where most of 1999 was created. Yeah. Purple, uh, Rain. Purple Rain. Yeah. All the B-sides of Purple Rain, mm-hmm. Around the World in a Day, and the Parade album, yeah. and parts of uh, Sign of the Time. All right, I'll tell you a quick Prince story, then I'll, I'll, I'll shut up, but. I went to, I performed at the All-Star Game when it was in Minneapolis, and I performed at the Avenue Avenue Club or one, one, First, the, First, Avenue. First Avenue Club, and I took the whole gig because I was- How many? 
yeah, because they booked me to do comedy. But the only reason I went is to meet Prince. So I go all the way there, and they said, well, Prince isn't here. But his road manager took me to Paisley Park. You know, and at that time, it's got to be 95 or 96. Paisley Park, that was farmland out there. Yeah. Like, we drove out. But it was all there. You could have done In Living Color at Paisley Park. I mean, yeah. they took me all through it, everything. And so he told me the story. He said when they were on tour, it was uh, about 3 three in the morning. He gets a call from Prince. And he picks up the phone and Prince says, motherfucker, these motherfuckers call. Um, I hear motherfucking voices coming from the motherfucking walls. And he's like, Prince is three. He said, motherfucker. I'm hearing motherfucking voices coming from the motherfucking walls. <laughs> and so he goes to Prince's room, knocks on the door, Prince answers, and he has white satin pajamas, perm tight, uh -huh. white satin do-rag, full makeup, and white satin high heel boots. <laughs> and he says, dude, what's going on? He said, motherfucker, I told you, I'm hearing motherfucking voices coming from the motherfucking walls. So they come in like, Prince, you tripping. And they go in there, and they hear this voice. So they call the uh, hotel security. They come in, they do a whole sweep of the floor, and they find a crawl space behind his bed. And they go in the crawl space, and they find this girl in there with a Nigga. flashlight. Listen to me. With a flashlight and a Bible who has been reading verses. And the dude said, as they took the woman out, the police, Prince sat at his coffee table with his legs crossed like this. And he went, I told y'all motherfuckers. I heard <laughs> from the motherfucking walls. But y'all motherfuckers didn't believe me. I fell out laughing. <laughs> 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 and it was just like that. I was like, Yo. wow. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah thank man. you so much. Man. Absolutely. Yo, I appreciate it. <laughs> Stop, thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Dude, we, we love, we appreciate you so much. So much. Everything you've done. So P.S. I know Dave Chappelle. He was, I think he was 18 when he middle for me. It was the first time I met him in New York. Really? Kill it. Yeah, Caroline's. People would come in and go, great set, Dave. Who was that kid that went on before you? He was amazing. It's like, yeah, that was Dave Chappelle, man. <laughs> you should get him to stop by. He's right. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> he won't sign the release, though. <laughs> One for the records. Yeah. Anyway, uh, on behalf of Team Supreme, uh, Laia and Fontigolo and Boss Bill and Unpaid Bill and Sugar Steve, you you cool, Sugar Steve? Yeah, man. I'm just um, How's excited the network? about the Sugar Network and uh, continuing my work there. Is it sweet? This. See what I did there? Because I'll say it's your bam. Yeah, I say sweet. You can say sweet. Okay, sweet. Holy Ghost. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> David, thank you very much for doing our show. Yeah, man. I love David it. Man. I, can't, I can't wait to yeah. see you. Tell uh, your mama I said hi. Because remember, we met at the yes. Tony party. Damn. Yes. I, your memory is awesome. Your mom was right there. Yeah, yeah. You gave yeah. me, you gave me, you was like, hey, what's up, man? Mom's was like, I'm a very big fan. She was eating. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> she remembers everything. That was some good ass. Yo, this is uh, Quest Love with Quest Love Supreme. Only on Pandora. We will see you on the next go round. Thank you. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. 
Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hills and Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then mm-hmm. a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.